I was like, boys should like me. I have boobs. <laughs> You're listening to the only podcast in the universe where clothing is optional, but pot is not. Broadcasting from FEMA Region 7, it's Bowl After Bowl with your hosts, Lorian and Spencer. Bowl After Bowl. Bowlafterbowl.com. Bowl after bowl till he's sick. That's a dumb place to keep bowls. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Just one man's opinion, man. Hey, everybody. Another Token Tuesday. Welcome back to the bowl. It is April 13th, 2021. I'm Sir Spencer, Wolf of Kansas City. I'm Dame DeLorean, bringing you episode 76 of Bowl After Bowl. That's right, that's right. Keeps on climbing, keeps on climbing, bit by bit, episode by episode. And boy, we got a lot to discuss tonight. Been busy little bees, busy little bees buzzing here, buzzing there. On the airwaves, off the airwaves... Just doing whatever, you know, doing what we do, bringing you the best smoking pot cast in the universe, or uh, whatever you want to call it. A lot of things to call it. Hangcast, podcast. CSB calls it podcast. I totally <laughs> lifted it from him because uh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It works out, you know. It's uh, it's what we are as a podcast, I suppose. And. Um, I like to call it the hottest smoking podcast in the universe. I like that. Personally. I like that. <laughs> uh, as James Dennifer says, uh, the only podcast in the universe where clothing is optional but pot is not. Because, uh, you know, it's not peer pressure. It's just your turn. And that's okay. You can pass because <laughs> there's just clouds around you, you know. It's going to work one way or the other. We don't discriminate. It's just kind of around. You're just kind of going to get that contact high being in the bowl. So welcome. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. If you're listening live, uh, that's all thanks to No Debit and the Icecast stream that he set up for us. Just um, just did it out of the goodness of his own heart, and we are in big debt to you. And uh, also thank you, Sir Bimrose, uh, for setting us up with the No Agenda live stream as well. So we dual cast two butts, one bowl coming at you on two streams. So thanks, everybody, for listening live. If you want to troll along in the bowl, uh, as we refer to it, you can find that on zeronode.net, IRC, and uh, we're in channel bowl after bowl, all one word, a little uh, hashtag in front, pound bowl after bowl. All of this can be found in one convenient location if you go to bowlafterbowl.com and just click on that listen live if you're like, what is all this nonsense? It's okay, there's nice hyperlinks there, and uh, nice is a relative term. I'm still, <laughs> I have so much stuff in the pipeline. And uh, the website is definitely one of the things I wanted to kind of have done by 420, but it's just not going to work out. It's just not going to happen. It's not on that pace right now. And uh, also, kind of over the weekend, I'll talk a little bit more about it later, but uh, over the weekend we did our hackathon, you know? Yeah. And I just, it's kind of incredible what you can accomplish as a team versus what you can accomplish just by yourself, or at least me by myself. I find I work so much better in a collaborative environment when we're all you know, working together and people can split tasks up and sometimes 
you know, people have these ideas that you never would have come up with and they just go and knock them out. And then all of a sudden, you know, you pull down the latest version and you're like, whoa, this is brilliant. Thank you. I never would have thought of that. And I think that's kind of a piece of what eventually I want to happen with the, with the website too. Uh, my vision long-term for this website is a place where all of these different things can come together in one spot in a perfect podcast website. Uh, so you'd have a podcast player, you'd have the lightning wallet enabled somehow, you'd have the bowl live chat enabled somehow, you've had the live stream right there on the front page that you just have to click play and it just goes. All of these different things that I'm thinking of, uh, ways for users to submit clips, ways for you know podcasters to access those clips and search them really fast and play them right from their own website. These are all the things that are like on my wish list, and I just need to find a way to integrate them all. Uh, I kind of got to the part where I was building my database, and then I was like, you know, I'm building these tables for like podcasts and for like for episodes and for different uh, uh, these different database tables, and I'm like, you know, these already exist in the podcast index, so I'm kind of pulling back from what I was designing because why make an extra database? when one already exists, I'd like to just call on the podcast index API and have that be my database and then just keep uploading to the podcast index, keep it in there, and then I just call on it there. I don't have to store it. It's already out there. It's already working. Uh, so that's the beauty of that. Before we get too deep, though, into this kind of stuff, I want to thank some other people as well uh, for producing the podcast. Bull After Bull is a value-for-value value podcast. What that means is we try to bring you value. We give it to you up front. You don't have to pay for it up front. We, it's just yours. You're here with us. There's no tickets. There's no paywall. There's no Patreon. There's no $5 subscription. It's yours. All we ask in return is that you don't be a mooch. A mooch is a guy who comes along and he just hangs out in your couch and smokes your bowls endlessly. And uh, you can just count on him to be over whenever the, the bowl gets lit. And he never puts in any himself. And so... It's not really great to be a mooch, but it's also, you know, not like we chase them out of our house or anything. Uh, we all have those friends that hang around. But there's very few people uh, in our audience who are mooches. Uh, that's what we love about our audience. Uh, it's a small and tight-knit group of people who are participating in this value-for-value value system. And so they return value to us in a lot of different ways. Time, talent, and treasure. They send us clips. Uh, they send us ISOs. They call in and leave voicemails. All this is great, and uh, there's also lots of ways to send treasure. We have a BTC Pay server, which you can find uh, on the donations page at bullafterbull.com. We also accept the, the PayPal cuck bucks, which is the most popular method still by far, which we don't turn our nose up at at all. Uh, every value that we receive is greatly appreciated, and it keeps the show going. Today we have a tie to executive producers. And you want to talk about the random number theory coming in. Uh, both of these executive producers came in at 3369. Whoa. 69! 69, dudes! Can you believe it? Epic. So, epic, epic. The first, of course, is the lovely Booberry of Behind the Schemes. Boobs. Thank the you. Executive producer of episode 76, the Freedom episode. Uh... 3369, he sends a note. Gas money for the V8 Interceptor. 
Oh fuck, you're gonna make me boost. Zozobi Booberry, Mothman of the Mini-Apocalypse. Uh, mini Mini-Apocalypse. <laughs> wow, I, I thought it was one more gonna... time. Mini-Apocalypse. <sighs> also, thank you, Booberry, for bringing us the art for today's episode. That's right. He brought us the art. Super trippy, psychedelic, Some rain- awesome. Rainbow light. And, you know, I just want to... I think Booberry really deserves some serious accolades because he is out there working his butt off and we all know as podcasters kind of how what that means and how it works and it means like you never sleep and it means you're just (laughs) staring at a screen for way too long every day and you just have all these ideas and how many of these ideas can you actually get into pixels into uh waveforms and out to people uh to put value out there he also has a sub stack uh, that I've subscribed to, and uh, I really need to... Oh, yes, right there. Autofill, I love you. Uh, zozoscorner.substack.com. That's Z-O-S-O-S-C-O-R-N-E-R. Zozoscorner.substack.com. And uh, Boobs is a good writer, man. He writes... Yeah. He's, a, he's got a cool voice. Uh, I love that stuff up there. And he's also, um, thus far... Um, him and Dame Jennifer, I think, are the two in the community. Oh, and Sir Jean, who have got in and got uh, tribes in Sphinx chat. So it's really fun to have seen it through this whole ride because when we first made the tribe in Sphinx, that was back in January, and it was pretty much a ghost town. Um, there wasn't like a lot of chatting going on. There was like a couple of tribes that were hype, but right now things have taken off so hard and um people are just joining Uh, i would say it's now comparable like in any given night who's on the irc and the bowl that's about the same number of people we have over in the tribe uh there might be even slightly more in the tribe just because you have to consider the bots that are in the uh the bots that are in the irc so i'm also working on getting lorian into the sphinx app uh, we might talk a little bit about that yeah, later, Yeah, we'll too. talk about that later. Before you mention our other executive producer, I do want to plug Booberry's podcast, Behind the Schemes, Mondays at 9.30 Central. That's right. I mean, the guy's just doing a lot, which is beautiful because I know how that goes. I know what it means to do a lot and spread yourself too thin. And then you wonder, like, oh, shit, I'm just, like, this tortures you. You're like, I'm saying yes to too many things. I'm doing too many things. But that passion just overrides it. That passion, I can I can sense it in Booberry as well. Uh, Booberry is also getting us together with your seat sitter to do um, Misinformed Nation, which is our podcast we're doing, uh, and Gwyff as well, the King of Kent. You heard him on a previous Bulls with Buds. We're going to try and do a podcast review show, and uh, the third first take will be the charm. Uh, <laughs> we're going to get together on Sunday morning and do it. We are, it'll be our little Sunday morning service. And, uh, you know, it's all about establishing routine. I, I talked about that in the podcasting 2.0 tribe on Sphinx. Uh, somebody was kind of lamenting, like, they want to get a podcast started and they've got a couple friends, but they're friends that aren't really that into it yet. Or, you know, they're having commitment issues. And he also said, you know, I, Adam sets such a high bar and I have that bar for myself. And I just, like, get exhausted trying to meet that high bar. And you know what? It's like... 
you just have to show up and do it. And it's not going to be the bee's knees the first few, you know? You just have to, I mean, if you listen to the first bowls after, bowl after bowl episodes, it, some of the sound quality is horrific. Oh, and yeah. uh, it takes a while, like Phoneboy said, you've got to find your voice your own way. That's absolutely right. It's about that consistency. It's not necessarily about what you bring up to the first show or like, oh, it's got to be perfect from day one. Even no agenda, if you go back to the first few, like just two guys talking on the phone to each other. You know, the show that we know today, it's, you know, it's over 1300 episodes made one episode at a time to evolve into what it is today. And our show is an example of that. There's a lot of shows out there that are examples of that. You just have to improve every time. So anyway, that's a long way of saying we very much appreciate your passion, boobs, and your support. And our second executive producer uh, coming in at the exact same amount, 3369, and a buzzer beater, I might add. He came in uh, just under an hour ago. Farmer Todd, Woo! 3369. 69! 69, dudes! Thank you, Farmer Todd. Thanks, Farmer Todd. He also sends a note. Uh, I wish I had some weed right now, but I don't. Pray for me, oh. Farmer Todd. I hold you in my thoughts. You got prayers going up for <laughs> you. Uh, I got a text from a different bowler uh, over the weekend Friday who said, I've got a crippling case of bolio. Pray for me, love and light, HLC. So HLC, prayers up for your bolio. Hope you have that solved by uh, over the weekend. And uh, yeah, the bowl after bowl uh, text line is now a prayer line as well. Yes, <laughs> So if you have prayer requests, you can text them in to 816-607-3663. The first time I ever topic this week, by the way, is the first time I ever went to a dance. So you can call or text, uh, but it's really easy to leave a voicemail. Call 816-607-3663 and the play of That's right. We've already had a few voicemails pouring in. So uh, if you'd like to get in on that action, uh, you know what to do. Dial it up. It's on your speed dial. Just call the bull after bull line and uh, leave us a message. Play it on the show. I also want to say thank you to our latest Bulls with Buds guest, Net Ned. Hell yes. He got a microphone just for us. Smoking a bowl, sir. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Net Ned. That was a great uh, discussion. It's always fun to talk. To Net Ned, that guy can just tell a story. I'll tell you Hell what. Hell yeah, he is uh, great at telling a story. And um, like you said, yeah, we popped his guest cherry. He hadn't been a guest before, so hopefully now with that sweet new mic of his, I mean, he sounded so silky. Yeah, he did. It was a it was a good uh, good mic choice. I think that Boobery said he's got the same mic uh, that Net Ned bought. So yeah, fantastic. Uh, definitely check it out. Episode seventy five was a Bulls with Buds, and uh, thank you, Net Net. And also, on the topic of NetNed, he got into the Sphinx chat today. Ooh, very cool. And he said, wow, that was, like, easy. He was like, I should have done this weeks ago. So I saw him over in MoFax. <laughs> oh, I guess MoFax uh, has a tribe. I, I neglected to mention that earlier when I was listing out community tribes. No, uh, MoFax, of That's course. the problem with trying to list them all. That You're is, you know. destined to miss you, one. You're trying, like you trying to list them all, all of the stream people that we love. Uh, whether it's Hog Story, Nick the Rat, uh, Rare Encounter, like you, you, every time you screw yourself trying to go through it, uh, 
and name everybody. Billy Bones was in the chat earlier. Walk through the mind. I mean, there's just so much content out there. We are so spoiled and blessed as a community. Just have all these people that are like passionate, talented, and putting it out there. And we love each and every one of them. Uh, 420 is coming up, by the way. Yeah. We've been talking about it for a while. It's going to be a Tuesday. Next token Tuesday. Going to be a show day. Going to be exciting. Uh, for 420. Um, oh, I forgot to kick that fan off behind the... Oh, I'll kick it off. The laptop. I can kind of barely hear it. Um, but for 420, we want to run a little contest in the Sphinx app. So if you're not already on Sphinx, at least start with an email to me, spencer at bullafterbull.com. We'll figure out a way to get you on Sphinx. Uh, one way or another. You don't necessarily have to have a node. Uh, we can spin up invites for you. But uh, I'm kind of iron out the details and the actual, you know, different rules. But right now what I'm working with just as a basic rule frame is it's going to be a photo contest, you know, weed related. Um, there will be an entry fee of 420 sats. And that'll be easy. The way it just works is if you make an entry, uh, you can post a photo and just mention that it's an entry into the contest. And I'll reply and just say, you know, on the reply, I'll say, boost this reply, 420 sats, to enter officially. And then whoever gets the most boosts, not by sat price, but just the number of people boosting that picture, the most boosts uh, will be the winner of a 42,000 sat prize. So that'll be the prize. It'll be announced on the next show, on the 420 show, next week. And the contest isn't going to start till Friday, so don't panic, don't go crazy. Uh, you've got the rest of the week to get in there, and then uh, even a full week, really, to um, until the contest ends. So I think I'm going to cut it off at 420 on 420. That'll be the deadline, so that'll be when we go through and count up uh, the most boosted photo, and then uh, details will come after that. But... Uh, yeah, that'll be our 420 promo in the Sphinx app. And we'll do a lot of other fun stuff for 420. We're going to bring you... Quirk S suggested that we dive into the history of 420, uh, the meme, the number, the magic. And so we'll bring you a bunch of clips and different research we've done for that. Also a local dispensary that's doing their grand opening on 420. So I think I'm going to run over there some point during the day and like check them out, see if I can, I don't know, get anything recorded, if it's interesting. And... Uh, yeah, it should be a one hell of a show. So, really looking forward to the 420 uh, and the contest. Other comment uh, news coming up this week. Saturday is the next KC meetup. We're traveling to St. Joe, which is about an hour north, uh, kind of between here and Omaha, closer to here. But uh, a night, Sir Bilo threw down uh, the gauntlet and just said, if you ask, if you mention no agenda. At the uh, Felix Street Pub in St. Joe, you can get a free shot of courage. And so I thought, well, why not get all my rowdy KC meetup friends together and we all travel up there and get our free shots all at once. So that'll be happening at 3.33 p.m. this Saturday, uh, April 17th. We'd love to see you area folks out there. Yeah, the best kind of shots. Yes. <laughs> not the jab. <laughs> yeah, no, not those kind of shots. Um, personal updates... Shot. Speaking of shots and jabs, mm. there's been some incentivization of the jab, hasn't there, around town? Yes, there has. And I tooted about it on the No Agenda Social because we had the weirdest run-in. But it also put things together in my mind 
with our neighbor who randomly, maybe two or three weeks back, maybe more than that now, but just like a month or so back, called us and was like, hey, I have this <laughs> box of produce I want to give you because I can't eat it, eat it all by myself. We were like, all right. And our neighbor is an elderly man, so uh, we gladly took it, and it was great fresh produce, and just kind of like wondered about it, like, hmm, I wonder where you got that from. Well, recently, last week, right after, I guess it was Wednesday, huh, last Wednesday, day after the show, we were at the post office, and a lady stopped Sir Spencer and asked him, well, you tell it, because... She was talking to you. <laughs> yeah, she was fiddling around in her trunk with some uh, a box that was like just cumbersome, and uh, <clears throat> she was trying to scoot it around and get something else into her trunk. And she was just like, "Sir, can you use some bread?" <laughs> and I was like, "Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll take bread. I don't know, bread's cool." <laughs> she gives me this like absurdly large box of bread. It has like. 10 or 11 different like artisanal loaves of bread in it. It's like the kind you go to the bakery section and it's like special. Uh, like there was an Asiago cheese bread. There was like a marbled rye. There was a couple of sourdough. A roasted um, garlic. If you added up all of the like price tag stickers on it, it was like $30 worth of bread. And she was like, yeah, they gave this to me for getting the COVID shot. And I told him that I had three kids at home, but I don't, and I can't eat all this bread. <laughs> so she was like, can you use it? I was like, sure, that's great. I'll take it. I'll eat free bread, whatever. Um, but it's wild. They are just, uh, they're giving out all kinds of freebies. There's another one at uh, the zoo, right? Well, the zoo one already happened. And there they were giving out boxes of food from um, one of the food pantries, actually. So it was a good mix of food for whoever wants to get the shot. And they were also giving out boxes of diapers for parents who would go and get the shot. So Yeah, so the freebies abound if you... if you. Uh, I don't like it. <laughs> the bribes. <laughs> the bribes. The bribes, uh, bribes run deep. Especially in the hood. Yeah, well, that's, you know, the bull is in the hood. <laughs> yep. And it brings up the sad point that we had discussed off show after this, which is how many people are going back for seconds, you yeah, know, getting yeah. a jab again for more free stuff, yeah, like free I, food, free boxes of gourmet bread. Yeah, I mean, if it's 30 bucks a bread, you've got to imagine it's a non-zero number of people at least trying to get another shot for the bread. Yeah, you it's know? dangerous. Yeah, the, it's just kind of, you, you wonder if it's even legal. I don't know. The people putting on the one at the zoo was, um, it was Swope Health, which is, I'm not exactly sure what kind of operation they are. They hook people up with primary care. Um, I've se I've driven past their facility down there on, uh, what is that? Blue Parkway? Yep. Yeah, and, uh, it, it looks like a, a hospital building, um... But they just say on their website, like, oh, we hook people up with primary care. Okay. And then it was uh, also sponsored by, like, Children's Mercy and the local hospitals. So <clears throat> they didn't mention where the diapers and stuff came from. But I know of quite a few um, nonprofits that are always doing, like, diaper drives and food drives and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the legality of it. <laughs> I don't like it. Everybody's getting in on that action. Oh, man. Last night I had a fantastic phone call. You heard most of that, huh? Uh, called my old friend Mike Hagen, who does a radio show on Monday nights in Columbia, Missouri, called Radio Orbit. 
It's on KOPN 89.5 FM, which is a local, like, NPR affiliate public radio station there in Columbia. So I called him up and talked for damn near half an hour, or damn near an hour and a half about Podcast 2.0 and what we're doing, about decentralization, about cryptocurrencies, and about uh, kind of just unplugging from these unfair systems and setting up a place for your tribe to thrive, a place for your people to um, kind of interact outside of these different middlemen and censors and overlords that are going to want to police what you say, police what money you send, police what money you receive, all of these different um, you know, people wanting to st- stand in the middle between you and the people that you want to just talk to. And um, what we're building with this podcast 2.0 landscape is just a direct and organic route for listeners to actually form real value relationships with the people that they, um, you know, like and the, and the content they like and for content producers to form those same meaningful relationships with their, with their crowd, with their producers, with the people that listen to them. So it's really exciting. It's really awesome. All the different ways that this is kind of folding, uh, unfolding over this year. And, you know, we said it at the very beginning of the year, this is the year for podcasters. And it's like good to be a podcaster right now. And it's only going to get better as more people, uh, meet in the middle uh, the developers are making this easier and easier and easier. And also podcasters are getting more and more and more savvy. And we're kind of meeting in this middle point. Um, I also talked again about my get in the car analogy, you know. Um, it's not necessarily easy to build a car. And we'll talk a little bit about the ra- the Raspi Blitz. Or as I like to say, the Raspi Blitz. Uh, but, you know, building a car might be a little bit more difficult. But you can just get in one and drive. Uh, a great way to do that that's really fun if you're a gamer and do games pc games uh there is a game called bitcoin bounty hunt that i just discovered literally yesterday so itch.io is a it's a platform for indie games and so if you get on that it's sort of like steam in a lot of ways uh in the way it works it's just kind of it has a library of different games that you can download and play one of those is called Bitcoin Bounty Hunt, and Bull After Bull is now a sponsor in Bitcoin Bounty Hunt. It was like the coolest thing. I couldn't get over it today. Uh, I filled out the invoice yesterday. Uh, you just upload an image and a link, and then when you become an in-game sponsor, the whole game, it's just like a first-person shooter, so you're running around shooting and looting. Uh, there are little boxes that are dropped uh, that represent sats, and so you pick the sats up and you increase your bounty uh the more sats that you collect so if you shoot a player with a high bounty then you can pick up and earn those sats too they are added to your bounty and then you have a little jar of earnings so throughout the game steadily your bounty is uh scooped into your jar at a certain rate and then also the player at the end of the round with the most kills gets a a bonus of some more sats so all of those sats come directly from the sponsors so this uh the sponsors are all displayed, and um, I think the biggest sponsor is um, that Lightning Wallet. It's called Wallet of Satoshi. I think I mentioned it last week. Uh, one of the simplest Lightning Wallets that you can get. It's super easy to use. So another one is Sphinx. So you see Sphinx ads all over the place. 
uh, in game as you're walking around, the posters are up like on the walls in the game. And you see bowl after bowl and you see Tales from the Crypt. Um, anybody can upload and then you just have to, you know, fill it with sats. And then as players earn those sats in game, you know, your balance goes down and goes down. So that's actually another way if you're lightning enabled right now, if you have a lightning wallet, another way you can support the show is to go to bitcoinbountyhunter.com. Uh, excuse me, Bitcoin Bounty Hunt, not Hunter, but just Hunt. Bitcoin Bounty Hunt dot com slash sponsors and you can find bowl after bowl there and you can click sponsor now and you'll just uh type in the amount of player satoshi that you want to put into there and so it costs uh two sats for every one sat uh because some of that goes to the half goes to you know the game and the devs and then the other half goes directly to the sat pool but uh it's another way to support the bowl if you uh want to do some value but you're not in sphinx or, you know, you don't have the breeze and you don't want to stream per minute. Or maybe you're just looking uh, for an additional way to get in. Now, I brought this up because this is a great way to get in the car and drive. If you are not lightning savvy, if you don't want to set up a node, if you don't want to set up a wallet, just start by playing Bitcoin Bounty Hunt. Basically, the way it works is all the sats that you earn during rounds uh, are added to a lightning wallet that's associated with your player. Once you... Once you earn up to 5,000, uh, your first 5,000 allows you to open a channel and then you're able to pull those out into a wallet. And then once you earn that much, I would suggest, and they suggest too, that uh, Wallet of Satoshi app. You can send it to that wallet and boom, you've got sats and then you can play with that. If you get into the Sphinx app, you can send it from Wallet of Satoshi to that wallet. Uh, so you can really start driving that car around, passing the sats around, and you can really start figuring out how to send and receive without really, it doesn't take a lot of technical knowledge. If you can scan a QR code, then you can do this. Uh, and that's also a fun way where you don't have to like whip out your credit card and figure it out. You know, you can just grind a game for a couple of weeks, three weeks, whatever. Um, if you use my invite code, you can actually get a thousand sat uh, head start. So then you would only have to have 4,000 more. So we'll put the referral code uh, on the website, but if you're listening and you want to just enter it in, uh, capital Y, 9, lowercase Z, uh, lowercase O, 1, lowercase V, capital Q. Just a six-character uh, ID. So, like I said, we'll put it on the show notes so it'll be a little easier to find. Yeah, that'll give you a 1,000 sat uh, bonus towards your buffer balance so you can get to that channel even quicker. And that's a great way to get in. And uh, start stacking these sats. I mean, Bitcoin just hit a halt all-time high overnight. Coinbase is going public tomorrow. A lot of exciting stuff in the crypto space. In fact, Mike, he texted me this morning and he was like, uh, he like had a shot of the Bitcoin price, a screen capped, and he was like, I guess people were listening last night. Because uh, it like <laughs> went way up after we were talking about it. But um, I'll also get a copy of that uh, uh, that radio show because it was a really great discussion that we had and uh, I'm going to try to get Mike on for our next Bulls with Buds because he's a great guy to talk to. Just a super interesting character. And I now have a wallet of Satoshi because it was so easy to get. Oh, very nice. <laughs> and I started playing a Bitcoin solitaire game oh, there you while go. we were at your dad's house. Just, uh, you know, in between watching the kids blow bubbles and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a 
it's a uh, it's easy to get in and like uh, you know for those people that are super opposed to putting a credit card info or uh, buying sats, then um, that's the way to do it. You know, you just grind on games. You, there are faucets. Faucets still exist. Now, all of these are just minuscule pieces of Bitcoin. They're very small. They're little sats, but uh, it's enough to play with and send around. I recommended before. I think it's still personally. I think it's still early enough that it's not silly to invest in Bitcoin, even though it's the price is so high. You can still buy little fractions. Uh, you can still buy. You know, you can still put ten dollars in if you want on a weekly basis or whatever you want to set up, whatever you want to do. Uh, there's a lot of ways to do that. But um, I highly recommend if you have the ability to offer a good, you know, offer your goods or services for it, stream value to your podcast. It's a great way to stack sats. And uh, you'll want to have at least some because this, this phenomenon is not going anywhere. It's, uh, you know, it's really gaining a lot more mainstream attention, um, especially super recently. And it's just because of all of the adoption and all of the solutions that developers are coming up to improve the network and make it even easier to use. So it's, it's an exciting time to be a part of this. Heck yeah. I'm trying to get on Sphinx. That's but right. I'm stuck on the, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Actually. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if any listeners are the raspberry Pi um, or raspy blitz specifically, um, experts, but, uh, something about it being behind tour. I don't think I have the right ports opened or forwarded. And it's just not reaching the server. Uh, my relay is not reaching the Sphinx server. Uh, or I don't even know if it's my relay necessarily. I think my relay is reaching it fine. But then the Sphinx app can't reach my node. And I think it's just a port issue. So it drives trying, me nuts, though. Just, just trying to chip away at it, try to troubleshoot it. It's tough because there's, you know. The first time I tried, I got through where it's like, choose a nickname, choose a... Um, profile picture and then it's like all right you you can start with like a thousand sats or something and it's like click here to finish and i hit finish and then it's just like spinning wheel of death forever Hmm. and then i would open it back up the sphinx app and the finish button would be there so i'd click it again and same thing so uninstalled the app try to do it again and now i just can't even get in (laughs) but we'll figure it out yeah, that's right. And, you know, that's what I said at the very first, uh, back in episode 57, when we first were really leaning into this thing. I said, hey, guess what? I'm getting in the car and learning to drive, and I don't know what the hell I'm doing, you know? I, that was even before I really came up with the car analogy. I was just kind of like, hey, I'm going to ram my head into a brick wall, but I know that if I try enough, uh, if I just, you know, keep showing up and listening and reading that eventually this stuff is going to sink in. And that's what I encourage everybody else to do. Like if you, there's this, it's easy to kind of look at other people doing it and think that we're some kind of like wizard kids or that we like know something that you don't or have a skill set you don't. And it's just not the case. I'm, I'm not some kind of Bitcoin wizard or tech wizard at all, at all, at all. I promise that. Uh, I'm just kind of making it work. And uh, making it work just a little piece of a time. It's kind of like when Adam says, like, you know, if a former VJ can do it, then you can do it. Um, he's right. You know, it's it's really not as inaccessible as it seems. And the more you participate, the easier it becomes, too. Speaking of participating. Yes. You participated in a hackathon this weekend. I did. <laughs> Back to Centric for Hackathon. Right after, 
our Bulls with Buds episode, with Nat and Ned wrapped up, we packed up and got in the car to go to your pop's house. Yep. <laughs> so you could do it from there. Spent the night there and then woke up early and got right on the virtual call. Because we had a dinner scheduled with your sister over at your dad's house. Yep. Um, and oh my gosh, driving there? We left at what, like 1 a.m.? Something around close our to house. that, yeah. And we saw the craziest accident. Oh, I forgot all about like, that. Like, it actually. had already happened. We didn't see the accident go down. But we're driving on the highway, and I'm like, Spence, slow down. There's a guy in the middle of the road, like, walking across the highway. And there was, like, a truck on its side and, like, a crossover right in front of it. And then, um... Yeah, dude, f- like, dipped across the freeway. It's like, it's like, dude, you gotta be running, But bro. he was walking. He was, like, yeah. strolling, and then he saw me and, like, kind of had a giddy up all of a sudden, but... Yeah, but, oh. It's like, dude. And that time of night, too, there was no lights in that area. Yeah, so. it had dark clothes on, so it was hard to see him. And Yeah, it was just our headlights. <laughs> but, yeah. I didn't see any news stories on it, so I think everyone was okay. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, but that was wild. So then what would you build for your hackathon? How does that work? Well, we got split into teams of two, and each team had four uh, hackathoners. I don't know. <laughs> Dev- <laughs> developers. And, uh, well, first they had a little contest. So they were like, if you can guess which, uh, if you can guess the themes of the teams, then you win a gift card, which I keep forgetting to spend, but I won it. Uh, <laughs> let's see. The themes were, there was like three hints that they gave. The first one was like, uh, age old nerd battle, Goliath versus Goliath. And then they were like one released in 2007 the other 2008 or something i don't know exact dates maybe it was 2006 and 2007 and then the third was like an eyeball emoji versus a uh, robot head emoji which is of course android versus ios that's the and i was really surprised because like i i'd make it i'd made guesses and guesses and then i was like apple versus android or something like that and Person was like, uh, close, you're close. And I was like, oh yeah, iOS, not Apple. But iOS versus Android. And uh, yeah, that was it. Ten and buck- you got it and no one else did? And everyone was just kind of staring at their screens and I was like, <laughs> it's it's iOS and Android, yeah. Like, come on, that's that's got to be it. And uh, yeah, 10 yep. bucks to Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> 10 Starbucks. <laughs> 10 Starbucks that I need to spend. Oh, no wonder you keep forgetting it. I know. <laughs> Don't even like, see Starbucks. I'm trying to remember the last driving. time I drank a Starbucks. Mm. Been years. But, uh, you know, when it's free, what's free? So what, yeah. What can I say? And then, yeah, we. Uh, I was on Team Android. Thank you very much. Okay. And uh, <laughs> the our task was to... So I, I should back up. The hackathons are usually for, like, local organizations or businesses so that, like, centric devs can build them stuff as, like, charity work kind of. Sure. Um, this time, however, we were building apps for Centric and one of them was a ticketing service for future hackathons so that, uh, if you're a developer, you can, you know, log into that app and get a ticket and get signed up and then they can divide you into teams and whatever They you know, they don't have to use Slack and, uh, OneDrive and all these other devices to share information and to give you the, the contents. They can just do it through a web app. And then our team, Team Android, we were tasked with designing a student resource center, which was really fun and actually would have been great when I was going through the course to have a place 
that you can go and look up uh, all of the stuff that you need for coursework. So when you're studying or when you ha- encounter a problem or an error, all in one web app, you can go and search that. And then it has a little blog function too. So like um, admins can write a blog and keep a blog going. Uh, we built that out in two days. So nice. we got you know a deployable version of it. It's, it definitely wasn't like 100% polished and you know production ready, but uh, it was damn not uh, close and it had all the functionality. Uh, I was going to say, did it have all the functions? Because isn't that really all they care about? <laughs> yeah, it met it met MVP, which is the best. I am always a guy who's like... You want it to look pretty. I want it to be pretty. I'm a design <laughs> guy, and so I want it to, you know... I want the colors popping, and I want the buttons to be, you know, big and fat and cool. And uh, Phone Boy says, fuck CSS in the bowl. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm the guy that uh, is the CSS aspirin to take away the CSS headaches. I, I love, and bootstraps, to, uh, you know, bootstrap columns too. I'm always uh, hacking away at the bootstrap stuff to make all of that work and be mobile responsive and all that. So that's kind of where I get to shine. And that's most of the stuff I ended up doing, especially as the project got toward the end. Um, Quirkcast, by the way, asks, what was the first thing you did or site you went to to learn crypto? And, I wanted to point out what Mike told me last night because I kind of opened with my car analogy. You know, I was like, I want to run this by you and see what you think because I've been talking to a lot of non-coiners and a lot of them are worried that they're just like not tech savvy enough to do the Bitcoin thing. And he was like, you know, I was like, you can't learn to drive a car reading the manual. And he was like, well, it doesn't mean you shouldn't. I, I said, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying like, I'm not saying drive a car and never learn to change the oil. You know, I'm just saying like, learn to drive it first. And then all of these other things are going to come along to you. Once you, uh, get to a roadblock, that's perfect. It's like, that's why I love running forward and hitting roadblocks and hitting walls. Cause that's actually where you learn. That's where you actually start to understand. You say, Oh, I have this problem. This doesn't work anymore. How do I fix it? How do I get it to go? And that is where you actually gain knowledge that you can apply in the future then when you hear anybody else say oh i have this problem and you've been there and you've solved it then you can start to help other people and that's when you start to look like a wizard and you don't really do anything all it means is that you know it broke on you and then you had to fix it so the more of us in this community that start doing that the more people we can bring in and it's just going to exponentially explode uh and it's already happening i mean i can already see more traffic in the sphinx and uh, from uh, s- streaming from Breeze and all these different apps that are starting to come on, uh, Podfriend as well. But if there was any one thing I could recommend to you, it's just to read the Bitcoin white paper, the original white paper. It's about eight and a half pages long, and it just lays it all out. It is an explanation. There's even little graphs in there. It's not really that dense, and uh, it explains literally everything about what Bitcoin technology is and why it exists and why it was made. It's uh, Satoshi Nakamoto's original white paper, and you can find it at bitcoin.com slash bitcoin PDF, or just by searching Bitcoin white paper. And that's where I would start. If you really just want to start at the very beginning, uh, that is the genesis of the whole system. It came out of that paper that was written in 2008. So if if you're really looking for reading material or research material, go straight to the source. And there's a link. uh, Thank you, Oscar. 
I just posted a link to the PDF. Went to the chiropractor yesterday. Chiropractor. I love them. <laughs> I love going to the chiropractor. I love talking about it. The uh, They have a little kid's room, and they don't normally adjust the girls in there, our girls. But yesterday, the girls ran in there to play with the toys, and so then uh, the chiropractor just kind of followed them in there and adjusted them. And they have this cool adjusting table in there that's a horse. It's a horse, and then on its back, instead of a saddle, it's the adjusting table. And it's got little levers so that they can do the adjustments with it. So after they got adjusted on the normal adjusting table, the girls were like, can we sit on there? And the chiropractor was like, yeah, sure, and put them on the horse. And uh, Rayla was like, our three-year-old, she's like, his name is Arthur. And <laughs> she named the horse Arthur. And so they were, the staff was just like, oh, she named the horse Arthur. I guess his name is Arthur. And I just want to point out that Rayla will forever name every horse Arthur. And I think it's because she watched you play Red Dead I think <laughs> when so. she That's, was little. <laughs> I didn't think of that as a factor. She, she used to say, because um, at that time you were out of work with a broken ankle. Yep. And so you were like, well, what better time to play Red Dead 2? Red Dead Redemption 2. And uh, Ray watched a lot of it, and she would say, if you weren't playing it, she would say, Dad, why don't you play cowboys? <laughs> or horses. No, well, she, she first call called horses. She first called it dogs, remember? Because oh, yeah. every animal was a dog. <laughs> every animal was a dog to her at first. That's right. And so she'd say, play dogs. <laughs> play dogs. <laughs> but that evolved into horses. Yep. And then it evolved into cowboys. <laughs> All but, of them accurate. Well, there are dogs in that game. Yeah. yeah. So Some of the characters you just are can't, dogs. You just can't ride the dogs <laughs> or shoot the dogs. But then there was just a bunch of us and the you know characters in the game saying, Arthur. <laughs> Arthur. Arthur. <laughs> so now every horse is Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a theme because she got a stick horse for Christmas from your dad. And he's like, now you got to name it. And she's like, Arthur. <laughs> yep. And then her little sister got one. And she's like, she's like, I'll name mine DW. <laughs> like Arthur the Aardvark. I was like, oh, you were too little to experience the joys of Red Dead. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But we got it. <laughs> we uh, brainwashed the three-year-old with it a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, so the chiropractor worked on your, he got your neck yesterday. Did he ask you annoying questions? While he was trying to pop you, or did he no, just let you get popped? I think that me saying to you somehow he just sensed the message because he doesn't. He the last two times he has not said anything while he's popping my neck. Nice. Well, he probably also was like, "Oh, that first method didn't work." Where I try to distract him with questions, he's, he actually tenses up. <laughs> he's good at what he does. I can tell you that. Yeah. And um, then I had mentioned because last time I got adjusted, the last two times really they done he did the neck stuff, and then the the f last Monday. Um, a week ago Monday, I had like a killer sinus flare up and just like a pressure headache. Like my lymph nodes swelled up. Everything was just going kind of crazy for like 24 hours after the adjustment. And then on Wednesday happened again, but it was only like probably eight hours of that. But man, just like a serious pressure headache and jaw clicky and all that kind of stuff. And so then I told him about it and he's like, yeah, let's look at your jaw, man. And, um, he gave me this like firm thumb push starting up here like near the ear at the temple and then just pushing all the way down to the bottom of the jaw almost like uh 
almost like he was trying to squeeze all of the toothpaste out of my cheek <laughs> if my cheek was a tube of toothpaste. I know that makes little to no sense, but uh, he did that three different strokes all along the jaw, and he was like, you know, just keep your mouth open while you do while I do that. It's gonna be uncomfortable, and it did. It made my eyes and even my nose a little bit water. It was just like uh, a bit uncomfortable, but there was like so much relief after that. He was like, yeah, just do that in the morning and the night to yourself. And uh, I'm glad we brought that up because I haven't been doing it until just now oh. while I'm talking. So I'm like yeah. doing it to myself right now. Ugh, well, it's, it's like, great whoa. for TMJ. Right. And like for me, I grind my teeth day and night. So I'm just always, I take my knuckles and I do it down my cheek and it, my, my, cheek, my cheek. And it's like super gritty when I'm pushing along it. Like you just feel like bumps in the muscle or whatever. It's so gross. But you were like, well, I never thought about TMJ because that's your problem to me when right, we were there. Right, yeah. I never even considered that I like <laughs> could also have TMJ issues. Even though, like, I have, every time that I have those sinus issues and my uh, headaches and crap all flare up and allergies are a piece of it too, um, sometimes I get to where, like, I can't even bite down or, like, I have to Ooh. move my jaw to a certain angle and get around it. And then I can bite down. Or it'll just, like, click, you know? Like even now, if I'm wiggling my jaw left and right, I can hear it click, 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 click. And so it's out of alignment, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the clicking is definitely TMJ. You gotta sleep with a mouth guard. Yeah, I don't grit my teeth, though. And, uh, I don't grunt. Not that you know of. You could while you're sleeping. Mm, doubt it. Meh. Caffeine will do that to you. I guess so. Also, in weird uh, life news, uh, we had an appointment with our midwife today. But she texted me uh, Friday or Saturday, and she was like, hey, I popped positive on a COVID test, which I'm required to take every week, um, so I won't be able to see you for two weeks. I was like, damn it. Tierney. She's like, I have no symptoms. Uh, she's like, none of my clients are sick. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I said it was just a matter of time if you're taking the test every no week. No doubt. <laughs> I'm surprised she hasn't popped one sooner. But, yeah. I mean, those things are notorious for false positives. Yep. So, and uh, even for like too uh, high of sensitivity, they've talked about on No Agenda a lot how uh, sensitivity is just too high. They're spinning them too many cycles. So, like, you're getting a positive result for a negligible amount of uh, viral material in you. You know, if you don't if you don't have enough virus in you to make you sick, then there's no reason to worry about it. But yeah. anyway, we all know this because we listen to the No Agenda podcast. That's right. On Sundays and Thursdays. And if you don't, you should start. <laughs> Get your amygdala massaged. No doubt. What you're doing by being here in the bowl, too. That's right. So. Yeah. We have a little relaxing uh, amygdala effect here as well. Just trying to propagate the formula. So did you know that April is Child Abuse Prevention Awareness Month. I was not aware of that. I didn't know that, but I had to. I figured it was something because I've been seeing articles popping up left and right, especially focused here in Kansas City, about <coughs> um, co-sleeping horror stories. And I brought a clip oh. just so that everyone can hear what they're like pushing out to the public or general. Uh, Unaware masses. Just the way, just the tone of this is so. Meh. This clip is a uh, emo infant. 
We're going to go ahead and unmute the channel on the board. There we go. Now to a troubling trend in the Kansas City area. KC police said they've already seen seven infant deaths just this year related to unsafe sleeping conditions, including two on the same day late last month. In both instances, the mothers were sharing a bed with their babies oh, no. and accidentally rolled over on them, suffocating them. Awful. It's a tragic scenario, and it's a problem on both sides of the state line. In 2018, Kansas had 43 sleep-related infant deaths, and Missouri had 89. According to the Child Fatality Review Boards in both states, more than three-quarters of those deaths happened when the baby was sleeping somewhere else other than its crib. Right. Hmm. <laughs> okay, so maybe not co-sleeping if it's just not in a crib, right? Right. Like... <laughs> You know, putting them in a couch or something where they could get, you know, how couches eat things. Uh, newborn babies cannot move right. on their own. So, like, they could be eaten by the couch and suffocate that way. Sure. Also, they don't tell any details about these seven babies who have mysteriously died. And they say that the moms rolled onto them. And when I try to look up the individual stories, nothing to be found except for one lady who already lost a child by suffocating it. And that makes me think, um, okay, there's something going on here, you know? Yeah, <laughs> either it's a repeat uh, accident. Yeah. You know, either you're taking... It, there's so much. I don't want to rant too much, I guess. I shouldn't have even brought it up. But <laughs> it's like, can you name a mammal that doesn't sleep with its baby that's besides humans? Oh, but we are better than animals. No. Right? <laughs> we are animals. Mammals, primates, they all co-sleep. And all throughout human history, babies have slept close to their parents for safety, protection, and, uh, you know, to breastfeed so that everyone can just sleep. It makes no sense to take a newborn, which is basically, like, they're still growing. They're still gestating. It's the fourth trimester. Mm -hmm. You know, their newborn humans are useless yeah. without their parents. Yep. But then to take them and put them in a separate room or even in a crib that's in the same room and you have to get up, they have to cry and wail and then you got to wake up, you got to get up out of bed, you got to go feed them. It's just crazy. And uh, of course, like the CDC and the American Academy of Pediatrics are funding all these stories <clears throat> with the scare tactics and saying, um, you know, okay, put your baby on their back in a separate sleeping area, but in the same room. And it's like, no. Can't we just inform people? Can't we just tell people, like, how to safely go sleep instead of all the scaring and stuff? Well, the, they'll take this uh, tiny amount of deaths and make, like, a big uh, hair-on-fire story about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, 89 to me seems pretty low for an entire state. Yeah, in an entire year. And, uh, you know, just keeping, there's so many benefits to keeping your baby within sensory range. I'm not even saying share a bed if you don't want to, you know, but the bottom line for me is that every family should decide what's best for them. And I don't think that the news and programs like this have any right coming in and telling you this is wrong. This is dangerous because if you scare people, if you scare parents into thinking that they're doing something wrong, uh, they're not going to be able to talk and learn about things for fear of being criticized or being reported to Child Protective Services, you right. know? And for this to be 
a platform on the Child Abuse Prevention Month statements. Co-sleeping. Are yeah. you kidding me? It's pissed. It just made me sick. I am a certified postpartum doula, and there's not co-sleeping is not a red flag for us. You know, make sure if you're sleeping on a water bed, it's not a good idea. Right. If you take sleeping medication, it's not a good idea. If one of the parents is a heavy cigarette smoker, don't sleep with the baby. You know, you have to go sleep somewhere else if you smoke cigarettes. But to sleep with your baby, it gets their heart rate and their brain waves and oxygen levels and breathing. Their, yeah, breathing pattern is huge. Yeah, it all syncs up. And babies who sleep with their parents end up being more confident and independent later, later on down the road. Because newborn babies don't cry for attention. They cry because they need something. Right. Food or a change, a diaper changer, you know? So... Just be on the lookout for this. I found, when I started looking into this, I found articles with the scare stories coming out of Indiana, Florida, Kansas, Missouri, Louisiana, Rhode Island, and D.C. Hmm. And then I found the uh, Child Abuse Prevention Awareness Month flyer from a uh, Rochester, New York publication, which I'll put in the show show notes. But, yeah. And as a parent with experience, uh, you know, sharing a bed with a baby, a newborn, you sleep so light when there is a baby next to you mm-hmm. and you rouse from your sleep very easily and you're always aware of them. But we sleep really good. And guess what? When my kid transitioned to their own crib, they were fine. It wasn't like this whole cry it out, just listen to them scream for weeks at a time. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's like they just sleep well now. You got to also wonder, it just popped into my head, you know, how many of these uh, unhappy accidents, how many of these parents were using pharmaceutical drugs that affect your sleep or that have, you know, side effects that affect sleep? Yes. Like how many people are on sleeping pills? That's what I'm saying. That can't wake up or how many, you know. That's one of, as a postpartum duel, that's one thing we just have to like check for if someone is planning asking questions about co-sleeping i don't check for things i'm not like a medical uh you know i have no medical background so i'm just there to facilitate new moms and dads in welcoming this new baby into their life and like adapting to it and be an extra set of hands but if they are taking sedatives of any kind i have to point it out yeah just out of like hey you know you might not wake up so you know yep you might be fast a fucking sleep and just roll over onto the kid and that's when you look up these stories of co-sleeping deaths it's always something like that or it's someone who's not related to the baby who is sleeping with them you Mm -hmm. know and they don't have the same like maternal bond and instincts right built in wired in in tune with it or it's someone sitting on a recliner and the baby falls off you know or some other surface right so when they followed up that that news story, trying to scare everyone, and then being like, well, three-fourths of them were on a, the same surface or something, no, an, adult, an adult, uh, adult bed, I was just like, well, then you guys are admitting to not even telling the whole truth right here. Mm-hmm. You know? Also, I think it's important to point out the, the duration of the, of the co-sleep. And we did six months for both of our kids. Yep. And... 
that work for us. Some people do longer. Some people let the kid kind of be the barometer of when they're going to go into their own room. Um, but it's not like you just let your kid sleep in your bed for the rest of your life. You know, I like my bed. And, uh, but, but there is that, uh, sort of like, welcome into the world. This is how everything works. You, you start with the very basics and for a newborn baby, it's like how to sleep and breathe. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And, um, I know there's a lot of, I know that a study, you can just go out and prove your point with a study, you know? Sure. So there's studies on both sides of the aisle, I'm sure. But they've found that SIDS, or sudden infant death syndrome, is a lot lower with co-sleepers than with crib-sleeping babies, and that there's actually three times more fatalities in cribs than in adult beds. And that could also be people putting stuffed animals in there, blankets and stuff you know that the baby suffocates on um but yeah baby's physiology doesn't really settle down until six months right. there all these uh you know connections between neurons and stuff are developing then and like i said it's the fourth trimester they're they're not functional yeah. <laughs> like they're still gestating basically yeah out of all the mammals just because babies are so big and specifically the head is so big um, compared to the birth canal, we as a species birth our babies earlier in development than most animals. So, you know, like most mammals, when they're born, they like stand up and walk around. Yeah. Wouldn't that um, be cool? <laughs> babies come out, you know, and, uh, you're lucky if it can like pick its head up off the ground. Yeah. Or the table. I mean, you don't have a newborn baby on the ground, but you know what I'm saying. Well, they're safe on, on the ground. The, on the as long as you don't step on them. <laughs> the most important thing, though, that these fucks at the CDC or the American Academy of Pediatrics or on the news will never say is that the most important thing is for agreement between mom and dad on how to raise their child. Yes. You know, you know what's best for you and you do what's best for you because you love and care about your child and no government entity has the right to step in and tell you no, that's not the right way to do it. They're breaking cultural traditions by saying this crap and I wouldn't be surprised if eventually they try to outlaw it, if they start passing laws for this, you know? Yeah. And then your parents really have to be scared about CPS calls and whatnot. It just ticks me off. I'm just sick of people trying to tell other people how to live and what to do, you know? Yeah, I agree. Especially when it defies the natural order. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. But anyways, so yeah. I also saw an article this week about um, early specialization being the (laughs) key parenting approach. But in a way, I get it. Uh, You know, and as a... Jack of all trades and master of none myself. I, you know, perhaps yeah. I'm a bit envious. That's of what kids I was gonna say. I was like, <laughs> parents were like, no, do no. They, do they recommend uh, specialization before you're 30 years old? <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Because I'm fucked. Uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, they said early exposure to a range of activities is a great thing, but figure out where your child's talents and interests lie and build up there with a focus. And they said, it, you know, it doesn't mean you can't keep your kids from doing other activities for fun, but they need to, you need to keep them focusing on mastery of one area. And uh, your job as the parent is to, like, keep them motivated and help them overcome challenges and not give up. Yeah. So, 
I was like, yeah, I get it. And then they give all these examples like, well, Elon Musk, you know, at 10 and 12 was making computer games. Oh, yeah, then, Elon Musk, the god and, of everything. And Warren Buffett, he was he had stocks when he was 11 and whatever. I'm like, you know. <laughs> I know, when you first brought this up to me, you were like citing all these things and then you were like worrying about our kids. And I was like, <laughs> they said 10, right? Like our yeah. oldest kid is not four yet. Like... <laughs> It's going to be they're, okay. They're in the exploration stage, and so far they like drumming on all objects, and um, opera. Opera seems to be hitting Ray Ray, at least. She loves singing really loud and operatically, and she likes opera music. Um, drumming and opera, yeah. That's, that's where we're at so nice. far. Nice. I'm going to make a rock <laughs> opera. Hey, I'm down. Repo the genetic opera is balls. in the defense of that idea i there is a part of me that kind of wishes uh i had found some kind of specialization while i was a kid but at the same time it's really hard to look back and say oh i wish i was a different person or oh i wish i had a different path because no i it's a waste of a wish i you know <laughs> i am okay with myself and i do have love for myself as as well as like others and everyone else that i love but Self-love's important, too, and I love the person that I am, and I can't really imagine, like, being somebody radically different. Um, and I just, I love all kinds of stuff. Like, you know, I, I love flying drones. I love making beats. I love making this podcast. I love writing code, even though I'm not, you know, that's just something that newly, new <laughs> newly discovered thing that I haven't really, like, come to full grips with. Like... I love doing new things and trying new things, meeting new people, going new places. I love all of that stuff. Like, I I always got to mix it up. So it's kind of tough for me to even imagine, like, carving out one little specialization because it means I would have to, like, carve out all of these weird little niche things that I'm into, you know? Yeah. I love cooking, too, but I'm not a sous chef. I don't like those hours. <laughs> when, I, when they were like, uh, your child... Uh, you know, should find a specialization by age 10. I was like, well, I didn't start smoking weed until I was 17. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. I am really high. That's so, you know, exactly you, what you said to me. You got time. Yeah. Everybody's got time. Yeah. And hey, the world needs generalists too. If you're not dead, then you still have time. Heck that's, yeah. That's my motto. So a few weeks ago, I made the mistake of bringing up the homeless encampment in Kansas City. Oh, right. <laughs> but I think the news coverage on it is going to fade because they came to an agreement with the mayor. Oh, boy. And I have brought a clip. Well, we're talking about a four-step plan that will address housing and income opportunities for people living on the street. Here's a closer look at what's in that plan. So between the agreement between the city and the homeless union, they have agreed on four things, including relocation of hotels, a request for proposal on vacant homes and land banks for people with extremely low incomes. City also will work to provide job opportunities through city contracts for work such as mowing, for example, and also exploring a permanent camp location with social services. A big concern, at least for people who have been camped outside of City Hall, has been the sweeping of homeless camps. At least that's been a concern. Well, the mayor says that will not happen. Brian, is everybody satisfied with this agreement? Actually, no. Uh, a lot of the people outside of City Hall, they are satisfied, but 
if you uh, remember from some of the stories that we have done, this is not the only camp. There's also one over at Westport. And some of the people that we talked to, we actually spoke with an advocate who's helping people there. They tell us that they were not included on the talks and they're not very happy. They say that they want some of their demands to be met as issues such as substance abuse, mental health, and also housing. They say those are some of the main issues they want to address. And they say they have not been included on the talks and they want those issues met. Y'all were in the wrong camp, man. You got to get in <laughs> the city uh, you got to get in that photo op camp, bro. Yeah. The ones, yeah, you know, the designated photo op camp. That's the one you want to be in. Westport. What are you camping out in Westport for? Are you trying to get some liquor money and, you know, get all hammered now, under the bar? I want to point out that uh, the sound quality on the local news sucks so bad. Not only is that guy standing outside and it's breezy in the I early know, morning before say, the sun comes he, up. Is he like calling in on his he's, smartphone? He's, to the... he's wearing a face diaper. Oh, Jesus. That didn't hurt. Doing his help. report. Standing all by himself and, you know, holding the microphone. Right. He's probably six feet away from the cameraman. <clears throat> Take the stupid face diaper off. It's it's hard to understand what he's saying, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, so, yeah, the mayor tweeted out these things. And it really ticks me off that I I don't know I have maybe I have no right to be ticked off about this because I'm not a homeless person I'm not experiencing homeless as an unhoused citizen, um, but these folks, the different Kansas City services and the people who run shelters have gone out there and talked to them and brought them food and stuff and they say they don't feel comfortable living in a shelter or going to a shelter. They demanded a house. They demanded running water, a house, a job, and a seat at the table in city council. I read the uh, their list of demands last week, and it was written by, it's got to be written by some professional Like group. a P- PR student or something? Yes, because it was all grammatically correct, including the use of the word finna. <laughs> so, you remember that? Oh, finna, like F-I-N-N-A, like yeah. finna, like we they finna. Put it, and it's in a Google Doc. It's in my show notes from last week. We finna raise our the fist. Very, the very last sentence was like, we finna get what we want. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah, you ran upstairs to check on the kids. We finna so make you gibbs me that. Yeah. So <laughs> God damn, now dude. Mayor Lucas tweeted out that everyone at these camps is welcome to relocate to an area hotel. They're being put up in hotels. Then he says, an RFP issuance for preference on vacant homes and land-bake homes for those earning below 30% to 0% AMI. Must be fucking nice. Must be fucking nice. Now, originally, the land bank was going to offer these vacant homes, which need incredible amounts of rehab. Oh, they're all knockdowns. <laughs> they're knockdowns. Yes, exactly. They're all they're... raise them to the ground and try something else. Uh, a show or two ago, I talked about how the land bank was offering to sell the homes for a dollar to the services, the nonprofits that run the shelters and such, so that they could create a plan to either knock them down or fix them up. If you have zero income and you find a dollar and you buy a house, it's you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, You're not going to get anywhere. It's going to be worse than sleeping in the camp. Um, then the city is working to provide opportunities for those experiencing homelessness and job provision in city contracts like mowing. And this pissed me off because I there's a lot of small entrepreneur 
uh, lawn service people in our neighborhood. And they've all come to our door and offered their services. And everyone has been polite and fine. And a lot of them are um, recently out of jail, you know? And they're just trying to get back into society. What about those people who are putting in the work trying to earn their living, you know? Not just sitting in a tent demanding that they get a job. Are you saying that people have to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and uh, have personal responsibility? That's not... It's racist. But they were... A lot of them were Mexican. (laughs) They were wonderful. And they were all polite and kind. They do bust their asses, man. Pull yourselves up by the bootstraps. If you... You know, personal responsibility. Carry your cross. Carry your burden. Take care of yourself. Ugh. It's true. We've lost a lot of personal responsibility just in our society in general. And every negative experience people have. I mean, I, I've had negative experiences, a lot of different ones. Some of my own making, some of other people's making. Some I just didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And I was out in this dangerous world. Uh, but, you know, if you if you take every negative experience you encounter and just turn it into some sort of a, a search for someone to blame... Uh, you you just never learn anything. You never gain any valuable skills, and you're just going to wind up living in a van down by the river. <laughs> no, worse than that, <laughs> you could end up in a permanent camp location, which the can- the mayor of Kansas City says will be set up with social services because these people are saying they would rather live in a camp than in a shelter. Or the hotel room. No, they want to sleep in tents. And I'll tell you, just looking at the coverage and driving by these areas, a lot of these people uh, are about our age. And, uh, you know, not to be racist or anything, but a lot of them are white. And they got, like, purple hair and tattoos and shit. And they look like they came straight out of Portland or Austin, Texas. (laughs) Like, I'm like, what are you doing, you know? Very racist. How How dare you? Yeah. Denigrate white people in such a way. <laughs> <laughs> Just these damn campers. I don't know like, if you've got the memo, but it's it's cool. actually impossible to be racist against whites. So. I, no I, I ignore necessary. that. I ignore that memo. <laughs> and yeah, and then these these people, the gr- the camp outside of City Hall declared themselves the Kansas City Homeless Union. So I looked that up. I looked oh, up Homeless yeah. Union, and that started in the eighties. Homeless unions. Interesting. The concept of them. And, so uh, they don't have like an employer, but they're still unionized. They, they, yeah, they're something. a union for being unhoused, which is their new favorite word. Neat. They're not experiencing homelessness. They're just unhoused. Hmm. <laughs> but it's just the camps and like, I don't know. I don't want to just be like, well, it's an eyesore. But the businesses are all having troubles around where they are. You know, they're it's, getting looted and shit. It's, it's tough like, for me when I see people my own age out there because... People my own age, I'm looking and I'm just like, yo, couldn't you find a cooler hobby than just like <laughs> being homeless? Like, Yeah. And they say we're, we're homeless as a form of protest. Well, like, go and just go move to Venezuela. Yeah. Go be a, homeless there. You know, and I don't know everybody's situation. I'm not trying to like blanket judge anybody for anything, but uh, the, just there, there just seems to be a, a lack of responsibility and effort put in. Uh, and it's just a lot of tantrum throwing f- from the read of it, you know, like you got to start somewhere. You got to, <laughs> you got to put in something, you get out. It's like our value for value system. You know, we didn't just, 
get people sending us money and then start making a show. Right. It was the other way around. We yeah. do this every week and we put it out there and we try to make the product better and better and better. And then people say, oh, look at these guys. Look at what they're doing. Oh, I liked that. Here. And then the rewards come after. You don't get the rewards first and then do something if I get a reward. Oh, if, if you reward me, then we'll do this and this and this. Or I haven't done anything, but the city owes me this and this. The city doesn't owe you shit. No. No, no one owes you anything. No. <laughs> you owe it to yourself to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Exactly. Like, but you owe it to yourself to make the life that you want to lead. And, uh, one of the sadder moments of all this was that they did clear most people out of these, um, encampment areas and load them onto a bus with their belongings and bring them to hotels. Mm. Okay, fine. But the areas that they left behind were disgusting. I mean, yeah. trash everywhere, poop everywhere. Jesus. And um, there is an article written up about a girl in her 20s who just called 311 and was like, hi, I'd like to schedule a giant trash pickup. And she took a group of her friends and they went down there and helped pick up. And one guy from the camp, one guy who decided to go stay at a shelter instead because he had... Uh, substance abuse issues and that's where you go you go to a wet shelter and you try to get clean you know mm -hmm. that one guy was like can i help you pick up and i and he was on the news and i was like you know what you go you go glenn coco <laughs> like he's gonna and he was saying he's like yeah i applied for a few jobs i'm like yes you go glenn coco like that's i love seeing that and he also was kind of like, this is pretty gross. <laughs> it's like, yeah, dude. They had at least 50 bags of trash. Oh, man. I mean, it was disgusting. And needles, of course. Yep. You know? So. Big part of the problem. Yeah. Well, now they'll be up in arms for, you know, oh, this bar soap sucks. And uh, <laughs> I've got a little tiny bottle of shampoo, but no conditioner in yeah. my hotel. And I just don't understand how they afford the hair dye, man. I had purple hair. Or tattoos are fucking yeah, expensive, yeah. by the way. I want to say, tattoos are expensive. And I'm not talking about some kind of bullshit prison tattoo that uh, you had your friend do with a guitar string. I'm talking about full-color artistic tattoos. Yeah. They are fucking expensive. Yes, they are. So, I don't know. It's just weird. And it, it felt... Um, Obviously, like, this is just, like, my uh, outside opinion. I have no proof of this and whatever. But it just felt so, so staged. That <laughs> second encampment, you know? I really felt like those people got kind of, like, bust in here from somewhere else to just sit there and make a stink and refuse to move. I suppose it's a possibility, you know? And I feel like they were probably being funded from somewhere else, you know? And it's just... It's always some fucking agenda at play. Yeah. It's always somebody behind the schemes pulling the strings. Yeah. <sighs> Speaking of that, someone must be listening to our podcast that don't like us. Oh. Because we have continuously talked about how Missouri is the greatest state because we don't have a prescription drug monitoring program. Right. And now they're passing one. It just passed out of the Senate. Oh, no, no, no. Um, no. Yeah, so it's got to go back to the House, which historically has passed it before, and it used to get stopped in Senate. This time... Senate passed it, and uh, just waiting on a House vote. Um, but, of course, you know, that allows physicians and pharmacists to track prescriptions and who's getting them, and there will be a task force of licensed healthcare professionals set up to create a centralized database. 
Um, Centralization can swing on my nuts. Okay, so I'm I'm pulling out of all centralized shit. No, no joke. That's the only way. No centralization. I'm decentralizing. I I was like, why do people want this? Like, what is the purpose of these, um, the monitoring programs? And it's all allegedly to stop the opioid crisis, right? Opioid abuse. Well, there is a senator here in Missouri. I should have clipped him saying it, and instead I just wrote it down. But Rick Bratton, he had a great point. He said, "There's been it's been implemented in 49 states, and how's it going for them? It's failed everywhere. Yeah. They still have high overdose rates, you know, and fentanyl is still on the streets. It's not even a prescription no, that's killing the, people. The, the, the fucking pharmaceutical companies just want sales data, that's all. They just want to be able to better track their sales and, you know, uh, know who to target and highlight for other new products that are rolling out of the line. Ask your doctor about this thing that's going to cause you anal leakage. You'll love it. You'd love it. Uh, They claim that data will be purged on a rolling basis every three years. Yeah. I got something I can purge. Also, in the text of the bill... It stipulates that law enforcement can't use the data the database um, to prevent an individual from owning a firearm or as probable cause to obtain a search warrant or make an arrest. But I don't believe that either. I don't trust anyone. It's like this is a third party that's going to be running the database. Like, yeah, it's just another already, place that your data is. It's just another way for them to circumvent HIPAA. Already, I feel violated. And spy yeah. on you and oh, it's totally anonymized. I'm sure they fucking make that statement too. It's it's all just bullcrap. It's all for the the people that really run the shit, which is the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, and then uh, my last ticked off story happened today too in Kansas City. Uh, two years ago, they tried to na- rename Kansas City's historic Paseo to the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. And uh, the people stood up and petitioned against it, and we voted no. It's the Paseo, damn it. And yeah, we had, so- to, we had to petition and then vote to change it back. Because the city council went around the public's back and implemented this incredibly unpopular name change to the boulevard. Well, guess what they did today? What? They named the strip of Blue Parkway to Swope Parkway to Volker, east to west. That's now Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. And they're putting the signs up in two weeks. Oh, Jesus No, they're not getting input from people. I mean, that's what's so fucking irritating is that they have to have this vanity project of a MLK Boulevard. It's like, oh, your city is racist if you don't have an MLK Boulevard. You just have to have a street named that. If you don't have a street named that, then you're a fucking racist. And then, to be racist to themselves, they always put it in the ghetto. They're like, it has to go in the ghetto. It has to be in the fucking ghetto. We're like, all right, all right. If you want an MLK street... Why don't you pick a numbered fucking east-west street, like 63rd? Oh, because that goes through Brookside. Oh, that goes through Morningside. That goes through the white part of town. You can't fucking put it there. It's such... It's just fucking disgusting. The way that they wave this around like a political issue, and then they try to call the people racists for just wanting to have their own history and, you know, have pride in their city. Uh, The Paseo... Is a huge piece of Kansas City history. Well, what really ticks me off is that uh, we ha- already have MLK Junior Park, 
And it's on that strip that they want to rename. Yeah, it like, looks like dog shit. Nobody park. takes care of it. <laughs> it's fucking well, pathetic. It's fucking pathetic. These people have their bullshit little uh, fake vanity projects. They want to trot around like they saved the goddamn world because they changed a fucking street sign. And then when the public actually puts in input, when the public actually has to mount a huge citywide campaign to fix these dumbass decisions that are made... Then they don't even listen to that. They just go around fucking things up again. Yeah. Change a fucking numbered street that doesn't have any historical context. Pick a fucking number. Nobody is going to get butt hurt over changing a number to MLK. It's a fucking number. 63rd doesn't mean anything. 59th doesn't mean anything. 55th doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Run it through the white part of town. What the fuck are you so afraid of? Who's the fucking real racist? That shit pisses me off, man. I know. They don't listen to the public. They don't give a fuck what we say. They just constantly shit on us. And then they ex and then they get all pissed at us when we like take offense to it. Yeah, exactly. And then This is our city. They also passed two other resolutions. They want to uh rename Oak Street a certain section of it to Volker. And then they want to uh rename Blue Parkway from Elmwood on to West 55th. They want to name that the MLK Jr. also. But those two resolutions need approval from the city council, which, of course, they're going to get. Right. Um, but the the Blue Parkway to Brookside Boulevard, they just passed that today, and it's like a go. I don't understand why there's no checks and balances there. There was no approval from the city council or anything. And these people, they just get on these fucking boards and yeah. into a position, and then they, they just go ape mad about shit. They think they can run the entire city. Yeah. They don't even know how to run their own ass. Well, I know if I don't uh, go through top three, 33 stories, there'll be a riot in the bowl. So I better get to them. We'll get to those and maybe skip the coof. Yeah. There were uh, 33 people arrested in Operation Bad Boy. B-O-I. <laughs> bad Boy. Bad Boy. Bad Boy. In Louisiana uh, that targeted heroin, meth, and fentanyl. Um, and the sheriff said 11 people had died in this certain area in 2020. I'd try to pronounce it. I'm going to butcher it, but, uh, Lafourche Parish. Hmm. I don't speak French. <laughs> I do uh, apologize. Cajun or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Washington state lawmakers eye 33 fees and taxes to pay for transportation. Um, these are coming under a proposed 16-year forward Washington plan, which was updated last week by the Senate Transportation Committee chair. Some of uh, these 33 fees and taxes that have been proposed include uh, gasoline tax, uh, raising it to 9.8 cents per gallon. They thought there was like a whole section on how, well, we kept it under 10, so sh people shouldn't be too mad. I know. I was like, dude, seriously? <laughs> Those are the most irritating uh, tax hike um, campaigns. They do that shit for the cigarette tax all the time. They're like, Missouri has the lowest cigarette tax tied with Tennessee in the whole nation. And so, like, we really all have some room to bump it up. It's like, don't you think me as a taxpayer, don't you understand that I think that's fucking awesome that we're, like, number one? Because you want to be the lowest tax. Yeah. You're number one. If you're the lowest tax in a category, that means you're number fucking one. That means you're the best state to buy that product in. 
Yeah, it's time it happens to be cigarettes. And oh, cigarettes are so fucking evil. And boo hoo 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 hoo. Uh, but guess what? I think it's great. Yeah. I'm proud. I'm proud to be in a state that's the lowest tax. I'm proud to be in the state for, you know, the next month or two that is the only holdout not tracking your prescriptions in a federal database. So much for that. But these are good things. These aren't like a selling point to get me to flip it. Dumb fucks. Yeah. Then there's a lot of things that are increasing, like license plate fees and ID fees. Um, one that stood out is now there's a registration fee for commercial drones, 15 bucks, little oh, man. Jesus Christ. Yeah. They're doubling no. the boat tax. We need to I move mean, out of the fucking city. No, 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 no. This is Washington State. Oh, spent. thank God. Okay. Yeah, Washington State lawmakers. Okay. Uh and it's just like 33, 33 fees. fees and taxes. Like Yeah, well, Washington, man, you're getting shit. <laughs> you're getting your front hole and your back hole tax in Washington, man. They propose one tax here and I'm like, "No." <laughs> but you don't have your salary tax. It's so a tax. No, yeah, that's... You don't pay uh, income tax in Washington state. It's weird. It's weird. So they got to come up with other places to to nickel and dime you. Taxes are evil. Taxation is theft. I stand by that. <laughs> I can't I can't budge on the issue. <laughs> I don't agree with any of it. And then uh, in Minnesota, with 33 speed-related road deaths, 2021 is outpacing 2020. Oh, boy. Yeah. So 33 is, well, I don't know. I just, I'm sorry, but when they release a statewide death toll and you're hitting double digits, I just just can't be compelled to shed tears over that. I'm sorry. I mean, our state population... And we're kind of like a mid-sized state. It's like over 6 million people. So if you get a double-digit death toll out of 6 million people... It shouldn't be newsworthy. What the fuck, man? What are you trying to get me to, like, wring my hands over that? You know? Like, I, I mean, I don't want to, like, seem cynical, but, you know, people die. It's a thing yeah. that happens. We all got to do it one time. You only yeah. got to do it once. But we all have to cross that bridge eventually, you know? So... To get everybody whooping and whooping over some deaths, like, uh, that's that's one of the things that people do, guaranteed. Everybody does that. They die. Everyone. You're gonna fucking die. If I'm the first person telling you that, then you gotta have <laughs> some fucking reality check, man. Yeah. It's alright. <laughs> uh, I know you said skip the coof stuff, but there's so many good magic number stories. I all right, well, give through. us a fast okay, okay. recap of all of So them. Pennsylvania has vaccinated 33% of its eligible population. 33 states are currently offering the jab to all adults. California is bracing for a 33% drop in vaccine supply as more than 16 million become eligible on April 15th. Oof. That same headline was recycled for Maryland. So Maryland expecting 33% drop in vaccine supply. Uh, there were 33 coof deaths in Oregon and Cambodia. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> and then fantastic. And 33% of COVID patients get neuropsychiatric diagnoses within six months. Wow. <laughs> yeah. They looked at 81 million uh, patient electronic health records and found that um, a lot of them who were hospitalized ended up being hospitalized again, again later for uh, the most common were mood disorders like anxiety, but there was also mention of brain hemorrhage, strokes, and dementia. Hmm. And we, I know people my age who went to the hospital with allegedly COVID um, and have had strokes since, and they were hospitalized overnight. So, 
I don't know if it's the COVID that did it or the whatever treatment they went under. I don't know, but I just like, I have no trust for these people. You no. know what I mean? There's nothing. I don't give a fuck how sick I get. Like, if you're sick, go to the doctor. And um, Mofax had a great, his recent episode on that of, I thought he was really brave by just saying, hey, I'm not taking the vaccine. Hey, I'm also going to go to the doctor if I get sick. But it's like, dude, I don't even, if I'm just having like a flu and throw ups and a fever and all stuff that I've experienced before. I'm handling that on my own. I'm not going to go into some guy in a coat and like ask him what's wrong with me. Oh. I'm not doing it right now. I don't trust him right now. And uh, it's going to have to be very, very dark in order for me to crawl my way into a hospital at this point. Yeah. I go to the hospital for physical trauma and I just try to stay away from it for like when I get sick, as in like uh, fever or pukey or whatever that is. Yeah. Because. Yeah. You know, I have ways of dealing with that on my own. Yeah. You know, like I got chicken soup and I got grilled cheese <laughs> and I got 14 hours of sleep a day. You there know? are like, people who go when they just stub their toe. I know. There's people there's that people... just run in for yeah. uh, any little thing. And I've never been that. And, uh, oh, I'm 99.7 <laughs> temperature. I, I linked something together the other day that was kind of interesting with my distrust in Western medicine. A big thank you to... Tim Burton and Pee Wee's Big Adventure because there's he has that nightmare with the clown hospital. <laughs> and I saw that movie really young, like really young, like two or three. And that has always stuck with me. <laughs> and I really, I think that might have been where my distrust in like Western medicine stemmed from. But then, of course, I did have negative uh, hospital experiences that just, you know, reinforced it. Right. <laughs> um, did you see that 60 Minutes interview with the Pentagon researchers? No. They got a microchip that'll detect COVID-19. Oh. And they made sure they made sure to throw in there like, oh, and, and by the way, Bill Gates didn't come up with this and it's not in the vaccine. And I was like, you saying that makes me really wonder. I mean. <laughs> they like doubled down on it. They made it a point to say like three times. Yeah, well, it's because everybody's concerned about these microchips that are being developed. And then. This is how they roll them out. Like, you're told for a year or two that, like, as soon as you say the word microchip, you're some big fucking conspiracy theorist. Like, microchip? You're crazy. That's fucking sci-fi. And then they're like, oh, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but we we're have, working we on this them. microchip. Yeah, and they've had them around. They were talking about using them in the uh, Department of Defense and stuff yeah. for other sicknesses. And it, like, alerts you. It's like, you need to take a blood test right now. And then it can maybe do the blood test on its own. That part wasn't clear to me. But you have results in three to five minutes. Hooray. <laughs> it's like, holy. How convenient. Tap yeah. your app and open it up. Yeah. Then uh, someone we know this weekend um, got the jab and, um, you know, hadn't asked us about our opinion on it at all before, just decided to brag about it. And so when I asked them, like, oh, well, what um, what company or, you know. what? Yeah, which shot did you which get? Which shot did you get? They didn't know. And had to consult their paperwork. And then we're like, oh, I think it's like Piper or <laughs> Pfeiffer or something. And I was like, Pfizer. And I said to you later Fucking in privacy, idiot. I was just like, how do you, like, just a base, just watching the news, you should know the companies, right? <laughs> like, even just being a total slave. That's how, I mean, that's how the average person walking around driving a car right now is. They're just... They don't know fucking anything. They just repeat words that they hear, but they don't know anything. What do they know? Anything. Fucking, oh, I do, I do my research. 
Oh, yeah? Well, which one did you get? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let, let me look. You let somebody stab you with an unknown drug and you don't even know what the name of the drug is? Yeah, seriously. I can't, there's, but, <laughs> I can't relate. But the kind of person There's nothing I can relate to about that. Is not interested in trying psychedelics or, you know, <laughs> cocaine or any, like, I can't. illicit narcotics. Like, I feel personally like I am pretty good at empathy and at kind of bridging gaps and, like, walking in other people's shoes. But that, I just can't, I just can't fucking understand that. I can't get inside that headspace that says, oh, yeah. I'll get in line. Everybody else is in line. Come on, I got in line too. They said they had it available, and I was just like, yay. Don't get me bang bunk to bread if I get in line. <laughs> I like bread. I feel free now. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, I feel invincible. So stupid. Okay, let's go behind the curtain quick. Oh, let's get back there. God, I thought you'd never say it. I'm pushing you back there. Uh, California is a step closer to passing a decriminalization of psychedelics. Oh, boy. Yeah, their uh, public safety committee has voted to advance a Senate bill that includes uh, psilocybin, psilocin, MDMA, LSD, ketamine, DMT, mescaline, and ibogaine. They uh, do literally say if pulled, like, right out, though, that peyote's not included because it's an endangered plant with too much significance to Native American communities who are already allowed limited access under federal law. And I was like, I roll. Oh, so because the natives can already have it, then, like, we can't decriminalize that You have to go one? get a blessing from them to use it, I suppose. And they don't feel like... Yeah, the government can tell you exactly what to do with everything else and what not to do, but they're just going to, like... Remind you the peyote is endangered. That's cultural plant. appropriation. I know. I was like, it's endangered Ibogaine, plant. Like... Well, if it's an endangered plant, let's fucking clone some cacti. Yeah, let's help it out. What are you stupid? <laughs> what are you trying yeah. to say here? So do you want more of it or less of it? What do you want? What do you? What the fuck do you want, government? They don't know. They just want money. They like money. Uh, the bill also says that offenses related to possession of psychedelics um would be expunged automatically from records i don't know if peyote is included on that and uh the bill focuses uh. on like the medicinal value and spells out that they don't want a cannabis retail model to become of it which <laughs> i'm just like okay whatever yeah, we wouldn't want any kind of f economic freedom uh, no. when it comes to or quality control, or the no, doctors I, can have it and give it out, but uh, regular people they they don't know what they're doing. They can't just go buy stuff, and it's tough. I mean, that one I can understand, and I can appreciate some nuance on because acid. If you've never <laughs> taken that trip, uh, there's a lot going on, and I would, uh, you know, I would say everybody should probably try it once. But there's so much that goes into it. As far as preparation, as far as, like, I'm doing the finger quotes here when I say being ready, um, not really anything you can prepare yourself for when launching into that for the first time. But, you know, it's also not going to be provided by some idiot in a suit either. Like, I don't know. It's a tough one for me. You, you definitely don't just want it next to the fucking chiclets at the grocery store. Oh, here's acid. You know, I, I can appreciate that. I... I would agree with that. I would not advocate acid anywhere and everywhere. I think that would become a problem. Um, but, you know, 
to say that you don't ever want to market for it either. Like, well, how are we going to do this? It's like you can have it, but you can't have it. Uh, right. You got right. to figure out a system or a way, you know? It just reminds me of the co-sleeping where it's like, all I'm asking for is a little honesty and education, but not like in the form of preachy, like PSAs and billboards and shit. Absolutely. Let's just talk about it. The dose makes the poison for literally everything, including foods that you consume, you know? Well, and you have to respect personal sovereignty in the fact that, you know, acid has been schedule one for decades and right now it's not stopping the end user from finding that what it does is it it forces it underground but you don't you don't stop people from making decisions you just can't do that you can't you have to physically lock them up in a little room or put them in handcuffs you know you have you have to like tie them up this is the only way to like stop people from making their own decisions um so, I don't know. I think in a lot of these cases, prohibition just always breaks down in those ways because it's just impossible to implement and actually enforce. Yeah. Well, one thing when they get into, like, medical um, psychedelics that I always think about is, like, you know, throughout history there's been, like, shamans or medicine men who administer these medicines and then essentially guide you through what's going on and walk you through the other realms and like help you battle the demons and whatnot but a person in a lab coat in a white walled room i just it's not the same you know it's not the same as sitting by a fire and like i don't know i just don't know about like western medicine version of psychedelic trips yeah <laughs> there shouldn't be you know there, there shouldn't be some kind of uh structured regulated uh process where you have to walk along this line when you dose like <laughs> it's a, quite antith antithetical to the uh, whole experience <laughs> but um no uh tunta points out tahunta i hope i'm saying that right um i honestly don't believe i should i honestly believe i shouldn't take lsd schizophrenia runs in my family and i feel like it has taken a ton of work for me to keep myself a functional human being. I'm conflicted based off the reports I heard, but I just don't think it's for me. Um, the reason that I always kind of make that statement of, I think everybody probably should try it once, is sort of like, you know, everyone giving advice is giving advice to other versions of themselves. And so I, when I put it that way, I feel like the people who shouldn't will take that ad advice and be like, well, yeah, but I shouldn't. And if you shouldn't, then you know you shouldn't. Like, everyone knows themselves better than anybody else knows them. And uh, you're going you're gonna to know what your limit is and, and what you should or shouldn't do. Um, I would recommend that, you know, you study everything before you try it. And then the dosage is key. The dosage is absolutely key. Because yeah. I know too many people who have just permafried, who yeah. have, like, you know, tripped forever. Acid casualties. All of them either ate too much at once or they ate too much over time. That's all of them. 100% of them ate too much. And it's like, is that an overdose? I don't know. I always think of overdose as like sickness or fatalities. And this is sort of a mental version of that. Because you, I mean, my friends who found themselves in those places were lost forever. I mean, they were lost. Yeah. They weren't the, you know, that person that I always knew it was in there, but they were just fucking lost, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's not like a foolproof thing here. And it's not like a, uh, it's not like I don't want to like 
disregard the danger or the uh, the heaviness that comes along with that, you know. But at the same time, there are a lot of uh, trial by fire uh, rituals and coming of age uh, experiences that shape people into who they are. And sometimes you're like you spend your whole life trying to find yourself if you've never been through something like that. And a lot of cultures, uh, going back through time, have done it as some sort of a coming-of-age rite, you know? Uh, like certain uh, native tribes who would send the uh, pubescent boys out into the wilderness, you know, with, like, starvation and, and whatever, uh, for days until you had a vision. And it's like, you can enter those experiences with, without any drugs at all under certain stressors. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of the miracle of LSD is that it allows you to enter that state like as a shortcut, as like a, and and at an incredibly low dose you can do it. So it's something that, if done properly in just a tiny, tiny little bit, I think can be incredibly beneficial. But again, it's not for every. You know, you can't you can't give advice that is universal. True. Except for like, be kind to others. That's like you know. Yeah. Just very basic stuff, but love is the answer. When it comes to <laughs> when it comes to chemistry and uh, wh- what you're gonna put in your face, there's not there's not one magic formula that works for a, every human. We there. all we all have to come to that of our own accord. Bicycle day next Monday. That's while we're talking about LSD. Bicycle day, yes. Yep. It'll be the day before the show. I'll talk about it on four twenty two. Nice on our show. So. uh... South Dakota's Supreme Court has a date for the voter-approved recreational cannabis amendment. Oh, yeah? Yes, April 28th. All right. Uh, And just a recap, voters approved recreational and medical in South Dakota. But in February, uh, sort of under the direction of Governor Kristi Noem, a district judge ruled that the ballot measure was unconstitutional because it covered more than a single topic, which yeah. is sort of out of the Nebraska playbook, where they stopped that petition dead in its tracks before the voters could vote, yep. uh, saying that, you know, weed usage and sales and cultivation, those are all separate topics, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, so anyway. Yeah, the absurdity of waiting each election cycle or having three separate campaigns to change those uh, different sections of the law when the whole law is just stop prohibition. You know, that's just one thing. It's just that prohibition's tied to a lot of things, you know? Yeah. Can you imagine if they just only legalized, like, growing it first, and so then people could grow it, but they couldn't possess it, and they couldn't or sell it, it, and they couldn't use it, <laughs> Legally, but they can yeah. grow it. <laughs> like, hello. Yeah, so... See you in court. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully they... More waiting on this one. Hopefully they do the right thing. Yeah. And, of course, uh, uh, Noam tried to get something going. She might still be trying to restrict the medical program, too. Just add all those restrictions to it. I think I went over it in the last Bowl After Bowl, or maybe two episodes ago. But just crazy. Like, when the people vote, it's like, we the people, we have spoken. Yeah, the few End times that, the few times <laughs> that you can get enough people on board to actually make a voting statewide voting campaign happen, it's no easy task, and I've been involved in a, a number of them. Um, and then to just have one person who's the governor is like, no, 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 I will have it my way. 
Takes you off. It's really the opposite you of off. how the whole system is supposed to work. <laughs> yeah. These people blather on, whether they're blathering on about uh, the safety and health of our democracy or whether they're talking about the health of the republic, they still want to go in and uh, deny us both. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, in Virginia, where they just um, passed legislation to legalize the recreational market, um, it wasn't going to get rolling until 2024, but they just decided you can possess, cultivate, and start using July 1st, 2021. But the commercial market itself still won't start rolling out till 2024. So they got three magic years to figure out what they're doing there, I guess. Got some time. And then uh, Delaware held a committee hearing for its recreational house bill, House Bill 150. Uh, it was like three hours long. And um, there's six licensed medical facilities in Delaware right now, and four of them gave negative testimony against the recreational bill. Damn. Mainly saying that they were writing some kind of uh, narrative about oversupply, and uh, they seemed upset that they're not guaranteed recreational licenses. (laughs) So it was kind of disgusting to (laughs) hear that, you know? It's like hey, we're all here for this plant that helps people and we should all be fighting the same fight, right? Like, So now uh, patients are boycotting them. That's just so stupid. But how is, yeah. I know, they, though, that is one thing that always discouraged me and uh, contributed a lot to like me being a man overboard for a while was just like the infighting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, we shouldn't be pit against each other when really we all need to just be focusing on end prohibition. Mm-hmm. It's people lose sight. They're one like, common goal, one collective. They're like, ooh, no, I want this can of business. Or they're like, ooh, no, I need medicine. Or they're like, ooh, no, I have this idea of what how it has to look. And only this. And no one else can participate. Like They operate on scarce mentality. Exactly. Everyone can have, can and should have a seat at the table. In this world, you know, it's like everyone just should be doing what they want to do, what they love doing, and we'll all work together and help make the world a better place. You know, it seems like, uh, sorry, (laughs) I hit the uh, clip button. No, it seems like uh, that would be the common goal, right? But people just lose sight and get that peripheral vision and, like you said, the scarce mentality, it takes uh, them over. You kind of see it happening over in Alabama right now where lawmakers are trying to ban Delta-8 THC and Delta-10 THC, which is just like, this makes it so complicated to hemp farmers because these cannabinoids are in hemp too, but, you know, these are hemp for other things. They're just going to start playing like the chemical breakdown and chemical components of all these things. I mean, you have two things. You have hemp and and smoked cannabis. That's pretty much the two uh, things you're going to use. Hemp's no good for smoking. The flowered stuff is. Those are the only two things. Like, now they want to break down how much THC and then how many... Who knows how many different compounds they're going to find in it, you know? Well, yeah. Because you break it down further and further and study it more. And then it's like you've got these two uh, THC deltas, the Delta 8, the Delta 10... But Delta 9 is banned, <laughs> you know, the one that, the most famous. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, there's over 100 cannabinoids that have been identified, and I'm pretty sure they've said there's, like, 
more than 500 that just, you know, have yet to be named. Right. And like I discovered, essentially. Yeah, and then let's measure them and regulate the levels of those, and too. And it's like, like, it's a plant. Why are we putting everything under a microscope? It's because crazy. it's so confusing. It's crazy. It's so good. And then how are the farmers supposed to measure these things? It They're not a lab. It so simple. You, you, you're growing weed? Okay, well, that's okay. That's it. Who gives a fuck what the compounds right. in it are? <laughs> it's fucking weed, man. Just back off. It's just weed, okay? What's in that weed? Weed. Oh my gosh, yeah. Chill the <laughs> fuck out. Ugh, get off my grass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in Massachusetts, the Cannabis Control Commission, Commission is launching an online product catalog, and they're hoping that it'll help uh, cops and parents specifically named tell the difference between what's legal and what's not in the state. It's the first of its kind. It's not going to be like Leafly or uh, Weed Maps where you get all this like genetic information and flavor profiles. They're just going to put a photo of the product in like very basic info. And <laughs> it just seems like such a massive waste of time, in my opinion. Oh, man. You know, I'm like, what? Why? To help cops and parents tell the difference between legal and not. Like oh, legal man. as in sold in Massachusetts and not elsewhere. You know, so like right. there'll be like gummy. I'm pretty sure they're not going to allow gummy bears because that appeals to children, allegedly, in yeah. the edible world. You know, well, no like kid friendly things. It's so, so it's, dumb. I mean, it appeals to children, maybe, but like it appeals to me, too. Yeah. And I should it's be a allowed, gummy bear. I should be allowed to get them. You should actually. Yeah. If my kids sneak off and try to get them, you should like not let them. Yeah. I would appreciate that. Uh, I don't want you like throwing them in jail if they pull it off or any fucking hair on fire types of reactions like that. But yeah, I mean, don't sell them to kids. And then, like, but sell them to me. I'm just like, they're like, well, we're not getting into genetic info and stuff. And I'm like, but are they going to take a picture of like every single different strain nug and then expect parents or cops to be able to tell like what strain this is based on yeah, they're like the nug holding they're holding? The, they're holding like a half ground into <laughs> nug up against this picture and they're like, oh, I don't know. It looks a lot better on the on the bag, man. You're but like, it could be well, CBD. Yeah. You ever buy a like... fucking cheeseburger that looked like the one on the menu, you asshole? <laughs> I don't know. You know, they're excited because it's the first uh, product catalog in the nation. Oh, boy. Um, but I just don't get it. Everything you need to know <laughs> is on Leafly and Weed Maps when it comes to the shit you can buy and all the strain information and stuff. Yeah. The, it's like, <laughs> why are you doing this, mess? I mean, are you bored? The market <laughs> provides the information. You can look stuff up. I mean, every hobby has, like, hobby magazines and uh, websites and blogs and you know, experts in their fields and stuff like that. Like, we can handle ourselves. Yeah. We don't need a sticker on a plastic bag or a THC limit or some other arbitrary thing imposed upon us. If you want to do anything to help, then just explain what it all is. Just tell people what it is. Just teach people what weed is and what other drugs are and what they do, what their effects are. Be something like Arrowhead. I think the government's yeah. drug policy should literally be to run Arrowhead, and that's it. <laughs> Like, that's that should be government's drug policy. Oh, we're just going to research and add to Arrowhead's database. And that's it. Yeah. And personal testimony is helpful, too. We're not going to prosecute people. We're not going to seize people's property. We're not going to bash people over the head. We're not going to throw them, lock them into a cage. We're just going to provide information. That's it. 
Because we're the government, and we're not allowed to, you know, step beyond that. Jesus. Yeah. There's also a lawsuit in Massachusetts now over community impact fees. You ever heard of that? I have not. So this retailer in Haverhill um, says that the town is not justifying their demand for impact fees, which were written into the law that um, retailers have to obtain a, quote, host community agreement from the town or city they plan to operate in. Okay. And um, then that host community has the right to seek reimbursement for extra costs related to the business. (sighs) They uh, gave the example of a need for extra policing or security. And they can take up to 3% of the business's annual revenue in impact fees. Mm, They better win this lawsuit. This is so ridiculous. (laughs) But it's, it has to be a equal protection clause violation, like a mother, because this is just singling out weed businesses. Yeah, no, nobody else has this burden. Exactly, you know, a strip club doesn't have this burden, and you could make the argument that maybe they would need extra security or something from the city. You know, maybe they get the cops called more often. But only a bad place of business. Only the bad strip clubs. Only the bad the mall. Pot shops. How about the mall? Only How the many bad issues malls. are going on at the mall yeah. all the time? Well, the, like... the ones that suck, you know. Yeah, those are not really open now. <laughs> but that's part of running a city, you know? You don't just get to blanket. Steal someone's income. And so, but the worst part is uh, it, it their lawsuit just says because the Haverhill didn't give us a reason why. And it says in the law that the town or city has to explain why the impact fee is being imposed. And I'm like, no, go bigger. The whole impact fee thing is wrong. Yeah, you shouldn't be able to do that at all because it uh, unfairly discriminates against a certain business. Yeah. I'd never heard of an impact fee before. And, you know, I don't know everything, so it might be out there for something, but not that I'm aware of. It's the first I've heard of one. Yeah. It's a big scam. Big time scam. (laughs) Fuck that. Last episode... I talked about how uh, it was time to send in your applications for business licenses in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that I hadn't heard any updates on the lawsuit going on about uh, how they're um, requiring certain, um, not just residency length in Detroit, but they're looking for uh, Detroit legacy. So it's like <laughs> your application for a license will be reviewed first. If you've lived in Detroit for 15 of the past 30 years um, or 13 of the past 30 years, but you're low income, like there's justifiers. It's not just a residency requirement. Gotcha. And then if you've lived in Detroit for the 10 or less years out of the last 30 uh, or 10 is the minimum you can have. Sorry. um, Then it's like you have to have had a weed related charge or parent who was charged with something related, a weed offense. And uh, so this woman, Crystal Lowe, is suing them, and she says that's unconstitutional. Yeah, I remember that one. Uh, You're violating equal protection rights. Well, now the city has been forced to halt accepting applications because of the lawsuit. Oh, man. Gumming up the whole works, huh? Yeah, gumming up the whole works, but... (laughs) It's just weird because remember they're like, well, we're going to look at these uh, Detroit legacy applicants until a certain day in May. And then after them, we'll look at the medical licensed businesses that want to apply. And then uh, 
after that, we'll get to anyone else if there's licenses available. Yeah. Like, what? I don't like that. Uh, and I talked about this last time. I think that they should just... If you want to have a priority in the one in the way you see them, that's fine, I guess. Uh, as long as like the voters are approving that, but you can't just say, "Oh, and then we're gonna dawdle." Like if we have applications, we're gonna just arbitrarily set a date where we can't op- even open and read them until this date. That's the part that's unfair. Yeah, you know, if you have applications, process them. You can't just sit around on them. Like just. Do them, and if you want to stack those people's applications on top and look at their applications first, but you don't give them all this extra time to get it in. No. And then cut, you know, cut everybody else out of that process. It's just not, it's just not fair. And then my final weed story for the night, so we can get to the first time I ever <laughs> is uh, the third national reform group has come out. Within the first three months of the year. It's been like one every month. These big national groups that are like talking about the importance of social justice with reform. And I've been calling them out as it came. Uh, The first one was just like cannabis people and advocates. Yeah. Uh, That was the U.S. Cannabis Council. Then there was CPAIR, Coalition for Cannabis Policy, Education, and Regulation, long name and though that was kind of like big tobacco and big alcohol players involved in that um and now this one cannabis freedom alliance started with a zoom call between charles Koch, weldon angelos who got a full pardon from trump in december and has the weldon project and snoop dogg oh that must have been a fantastic (laughs) fucking zoom call right (laughs) oh man uh so their mission here is the lobby to remove um, penalties for weed, uh, transitioning folks from the black market to a legal market, mm-hmm. pushing for free market for the can of markets out there, and also uh, proposing low tax rates. It's one of their focuses. I was like, all right, I can get on board with that. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like uh, something you can get. Behind. And then I was like, you know, think about the players in these different groups. I was just like, all right. It's a, what do you call it, a diverse crowd? (laughs) I don't know how three people can be diverse necessarily, but. There's a lot of people on board. It's a small sample size. uh, Reason, they're involved. Um, Nice. So, yeah, there's a list of them. Cannabis Freedom Alliance. Yeah, that makes sense. The usual kind of uh, freedom suspects. Yeah. We'll. uh, Plus Snoop Dogg because weed LMAO, I guess. Of course. (laughs) You know. Yeah. He's the cannabis guy. (laughs) And then you got the Coke brothers. I'm here for this money. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. We'll that we'll watch them play. For sure. We're gonna watch these uh, three groups and how they interact with the field. I guess is you know what you can say. But well, hey, you remember the first time you ever went to a dance? I do. I do remember my first dance. It was. I'm pretty sure I never went as a freshman. I'm pretty sure sophomore. Uh, year was the first dance I went to winter sports dance um in fact it definitely was a sophomore because I took a freshman to it but you know on my invite so you can go to a dance early you know yeah I, I never was that guy <laughs> I would have never scored an invite from a sophomore as a freshman it was well, like my well. roughest social year definitely coming out of homeschooling and into high school yeah, that's a big transition. I had to learn a lot in a little bit of time. But uh, it was winter sports, and I asked this girl who was a freshman, and 
she went with me and I was just like so nervous that it was just dumb. I was just <laughs> on dumb mode. Like when I tried to, when I was pinning the corsage on her and then her parents like went to take all these pictures and shit, my hands were like vibrating, but I like control that and I got that down. But then they wanted to take these pictures and so I'm trying to smile and my fucking mouth, like my smile was just like <laughs> trembling. I was so nervous. I was probably sweating it's like a, a fucking, the hot, hot sun. It was, it was a, a beautiful lady. Was it a nice and, evening? Uh, all in all? It was probably, honestly, the best dance I went to. Looking back on it and just thinking about it right now, like, the dances were just worse and worse as it went on. <laughs> as I get older and as I felt like there was more at stake each time, <laughs> like at each subsequent dance, you're like, oh, God. Building up to, like, senior prom. Be like, oh, what a night, <laughs> you know? And really, it's just a lame fucking high school dance, you know? Yeah. And, uh. You know, if you didn't have a girlfriend going into it, you're probably not going to have one on the other side of it. Like, nobody really, like, hooks up or switches around at prom, you know? It's just, like, a dance with the people who are either single or not single. Uh, but, yeah, that one was all right, man. <laughs> that one was all right. The sophomore and winter bro, dance. I, I used to get down to the boogie. I used to dance around like a <laughs> you fucking still get idiot. down. <laughs> oh, yeah, I still do. But I just, I guess I don't dance as often now. But like growing up as a kid and whatever at like weddings or whatever. Weddings any, still. <laughs> any dance floor thing going on. I get out there and move my ass for sure. Uh, some of our bowlers have also been to dances like this one. I hated dances. I really did. <laughs> um, first one I remember going to anyway. Actually, I was a kind of a DJ, I guess. Uh, so it was uh, in seventh grade. So junior high school. Uh, yeah, we actually did junior high school back in those days. <laughs> and um uh, yeah, and I, I, I was a socially awkward kid, and yeah, I, I didn't like dances at, in junior high school or high school or any of that. It was just, yeah, it was, uh, it was always a disappointment, a disaster, and I was, and I was a socially awkward, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I was a socially awkward teenager, and I'm probably a, a somewhat socially awkward adult. <laughs> but anyway, that is, but you know, and it, and it was funny because what I remember, and this was, so this was 1986, maybe. Um, yeah, we were, um, you know, they, we were actually playing records. I mean, you know, not, not even CDs. We were, you know, and I was, and I was, you know, much like now, it's like, I wouldn't know what popular music is if it, if it bit me on the ass because, <laughs> well, I don't listen to popular music. And I, even, well, even then, I mean, I guess I, I guess I did, you know, it's kind of a rock and roll guy or whatever. And we kind of, um, you know, I remember, I don't know. I remember Huey Lewis in the news and general public or something. I don't know. I, and I didn't dance at it. I'm also not, I'm still not coordinated. Um, you know, my, my, my wife uh, refers to my dancing as a uh, white boy dancing. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> Amen. Fist bump. Oh, beautiful. Uh, I think I saw a follow up from him. Uh, so let's do that one. It occurred to me that the story that, uh, that I, that I have would actually be appropriate for bowl after bowl because it's a clothing optional podcast, right? Oh, yeah. So, um, I actually broke my arm at a nude beach. And, oh. and yeah, that was, that was a, that's um, terrible. I'm you sorry. know, I was, probably eight at the time. And, uh, it was, Holy yeah, and I, I fell off a cliff at a nude beach. Yeah. It, <laughs> Whoa. It, the story doesn't, is not nearly as exciting as it is, uh, you know, as, as it, uh, as it could have been right. If you, you add some imagination, let's face it. Most of the people at that beach were old enough to be my grandparents. Yeah. Um, yeah. So not, not that exciting to look at, but you know, I was being a dumb kid and I, and, and I was climbing a, a cliff with a ball and yeah, I fell off the damn cliff and, uh, yeah, you know, that, 
getting out of there was kind of interesting. And I don't, I actually don't even remember quite how we did it. I do remember my arm being put into a sling. Um, and, uh, that was, uh, you know, by, by some nurse that happened to be over, you know, at the beach. But, uh, I'm not sure how I got out because it involved, because where we were on the beach, we had to climb over a couple of cliffs to get, uh, to get out of the area that we were in and was then actually get to, nurse? you know, and of course get out Nude of nurse? The, you know, the beach because it was on the, in the coast of California. And it was, yeah, that was, um, I don't remember much after, yeah, getting my arm in a sling or whatever, you know, of course, I dumb kid and probably traumatized as, as all hell. Um, yeah, I had to wear that cast for seven weeks. And then, uh, you know, I still can't turn my wrist more than 90 degrees uh, to this day, just Ooh, as a result of, uh, yep. uh, of that, because, uh, yeah, I didn't, while well, I did, uh, you know, I did, I, I did go to the doctor to get a cast and, and I had a cast for, you know, I had two casts. Um, yeah, I didn't go, I guess I didn't go in for physical therapy. Uh, yeah. you know, I guess that's a, that is a, the disadvantage of having drugstone hippies, but yeah, <laughs> it's a, you know, so maybe, maybe a good uh, first time I ever be the first time I ever went to a nude beach, but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I grew up going to nude beaches, so it, it was, it, I mean, it, I mean, it, and I did it at such a young age. Remember I had drugstone hippies as parents, so right, that yeah. probably explains a whole lot. <laughs> I mean, and her head is gone. <laughs> Okay, maybe they're not all superpowers. I'll give you that. Maybe not all the hippie uh, powers are super. They're maybe semi powers. Um, but yeah, the, the he said it was a naked nurse. Uh, <laughs> naked nurse confirmed in the bowl. <laughs> and Quirkus says, "Cues the uh, Animaniacs." Hello, nurse. <laughs> oh my god, it's fucking perfect. Yeah, not bad. Um, I guess too, it depends on how they set it. Like. Uh, I've had, like, for instance, in my ankle, you know, when they, they put me under, they had to re-break and then set it, you know. Sometimes I have to fuck it up again in order for it to properly heal right. But then, in my situation, too, they put a plate and screws in there, so it's never going to be fully right as long as those fucking things are in there. Um, Damn. That's a pretty intense nude beach trip, man, right off the cliff and shit. Uh, but naked nurse, I don't know. I guess in, tr- in life there are trade-offs, you know? And some of them... <laughs> Maybe they don't balance out, but at least there's a silver lining or something. Um, this caller called. <laughs> so I thought of a few things that um, when I was on bowls with buds. Um, yeah. In terms from marijuana, I was kind of discussing this with a friend. So. Um, oh, nice. Hooters. Uh, Hooters. Hootenanny. Uh, <laughs> Hooli, which is kind of funny because that's the name of the search company on uh, Silicon Valley on uh, HBO. Oh, interesting. Uh, I only had like one or two friends that used to call it Hooli all the time. Hooli. Uh, El Ropo was uh, some Hooli, place, uh, a term for it. And then uh, Hogleg, which I had mentioned hog on the story before in nice. the chat room. And uh, Fletcher had said he had heard that before too. So Hogleg, and that was basically <laughs> like a big, huge joint or uh, a lot of times it was one that was like hog fat on one end, so it looked like a hog leg. But the first dance I ever went to was uh, Halloween dance in seventh grade. Nice. Uh, I really don't remember much about it, but I know I went to every single dance in freaking junior high, which here it was seventh through ninth grade. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, that went. That was the first dance of the year. So first dance in seventh grade was. Uh, <clears throat> And I, I don't know if they had the seventh grade dance separate. Hmm. I think maybe they did have separate dances or something back then. 
So just to avoid any uh, problems or issues, I think. So anyways, in the bowl. You got to keep them separated. (laughs) He uh, had an amendment. I forgot to add that uh, I'm not that great a dancer. No. can do a little. Not that great, but uh, I got rhythm. I got beats. But, Rhythm uh, and beats. That's all it takes. Start the movement. No, not so much. Oh, just the movement. <laughs> In case you were asking me to dance. A teacher. Go elsewhere, Sir Spencer. Um. Anyways, um, <laughs> I do have an uncle uh, on my dad's side. So my dad, had his youngest brother died when he was in his early 40s of uh, lung cancer. And uh, his wife got remarried. In the late 90s, so it was like 98-ish, maybe like 99. So, anyway, she actually married a, uh, it'd be my dad's sister's husband's brother that she married. And, um, anyways, they had a wedding because they, they, his wife had died and my uncle had died and whatever. They got together afterwards, but neither here nor there. But, anyways, um, when they had the wedding for that, I remember, you know, my dad was like, uh, I think my parents got divorced in like, it's like the late eighties. Can't remember exactly what year, but whatever. Um, anyways, I had to pick up my dad for the wedding because he's, you gotta pick me up. He's, you know, <laughs> alone and single. But, yeah. uh, anyways, they pick him up, uh, go to the wedding. And I remember after dinner and everything, getting drinks up at the bar with my dad, uh, and a couple other, uh, uncles of his and the one uncle went out to dance uh it'd be my dad's like uh one brother above him there was four brothers in the family and one sister but um he's one brother above him and uh i remember my dad seeing when he went out there yeah go out there cut her eye you know you good dancer and everything and he left and and my dad started laughing i'm like what's so funny he's like oh yeah your uncle your uncle's a really good dancer you watch him dance out there and he danced like um, Elaine from Seinfeld when she uh, had the dancing uh, moves that she danced with. And, I, <laughs> and, of course, I looked at my dad. I'm like, is he seriously dancing like that? Or is that something he's put on an act? Or... <laughs> but he literally danced uh, that herky-jerky, like, style, and he did it all night long. All so night. This is the it one was move. quite the... Uh, Quite the comedy. <laughs> oh. In the ball. In the ball. In the ball. Oh, man. There's a couple of times where he went all uh, space falls on it. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, I am your father's cousin's uncle's former roommate. <laughs> or behind the curtain. What do you expect? Yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> I love that one. Thank you, Ned, for the call. Uh, when was your first dance? My first dance was in what I call middle school, which is our middle school, I guess, is um, I'm considering like fifth to eighth grade. Okay. Is middle school. The, it, they were in one building. That's why they're lumped together. That makes like sense, that yeah. to me and why I just refer that to that as middle school. So it was fifth grade. It was the first dance that came up. Uh, I think it was like a winter dance, um, probably for winter games but i wasn't involved in sports in any way at that point so <laughs> or ever really or at any point, except for like say, chorus yeah. yeah performing at sports <laughs> events chorus and band worked in tandem so uh 
but yeah, I just remember my friends, my gal pals were going and they were like, you gotta go. We love you. You're like, whatever. So I was like, okay, fine. I didn't want to, but you know, my grandparents also were like, you should go. You will regret it if you don't go. Which, unfortunately, I don't know if I would regret it because I got forced to go to everything. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> I uh, I bought, like, a cute dress for the occasion at the mall. That was, like, an exciting thing to do, like, yeah. pick out a dress. Sure. And um, I didn't like any guys, and I don't think any guys liked me at that point in time. So I just danced with my friends in the corner, like, the whole time. It was in the cafeteria, okay? So, like, <laughs> yeah, we're just standing in this cafeteria, and then there's, like, hallways on either side of it. But they're not blocked off by walls. It's, like, open. There's, like, columns that separate the cafeteria floor from the technical hallway. Gotcha. Um, and so we were just, we just danced and I remember they played like Avril Lavigne's I'm With You and <laughs> yeah. I like belted it. I was like, I'm with you. And just in the, from the corner of the room, like nice. just uh, singing and dancing, but not really dancing, just kind of step touching in the corner, you know, like the old step touch. drinking some fruit punch or whatever they had. And uh, that was pretty much it. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> the only people, the only, uh. People who mixed up and like dance were like established couples at that point in time. Right. Yeah. It's fifth grade, so it's not like any guys came over to where all the girls were. Any of the girls went over to where the guys were. Sure. Everyone was just standing in their circle of friends. (laughs) So uh, yeah, that's how that went. It was pretty uneventful. Yeah. But still fun. You had to take advantage of those acoustics though, yeah, for the uh, Avril Lavigne. Yeah, belting it out. My voice cracked, so it was just really funny. Like <laughs> I went for it, you know, but it yeah. was just like didn't work. I love all like when I was young, I loved singing, but boy, was I got awful at singing. <laughs> <laughs> My grandparents signed me up for voice lessons because they were like, "We're just sick of hearing you sing. It's all terrible. It's so off key and whatever." <laughs> so they fixed that then, huh? They tried. <laughs> uh this voice uh voicemail caller tried to leave a voicemail and it worked he did it you did it you did it i remember my first dance i was in sixth grade uh-oh school dance yeah now at that time i was shut out not a shut out what's the fucking word i'm looking for a standout i was someone that was shunned by my peers I was sort of the class target for all sorts of hellacious torment from shit-headed sixth graders. The kid who gets bullied. It went about as well as you could imagine. Fruitcake Fred. The girl I had a crush on at the time, Leanne, I had waited for half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour, it doesn't matter, but I waited. I waited to get enough courage to go and ask her if she would dance with me. And I waited in the cafeteria because the dance was taking place in the auditorium next door. So finally, I decided to go in and check out everybody having fun. And I found the crush, Leanne. I was going to ask her if she wanted to dance with me. And she was already having the time of her life with somebody else. Uh. And I learned a lesson that day. And I don't know what that lesson is. But (laughs) I'm sure if I did, it would have been a valuable one. Oh, my God. I almost did the thing. In the bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I know. It's like uh, at those dances, man, at least for me as a hopeless romantic growing up, like I would go to the dance and I would like anticipate this and this and this, you know, it's going to be great. We're going to like have this romantic whatever. (laughs) 
<laughs> she's gonna fall like madly in love with me you know all of the things that you think going into these things that are never gonna happen and uh you like play it out in your imagination you walk oh, yeah. up and then you're like all cool about it and then you like hold out your hand you know and then she's just like <laughs> and you get the girl you know you're like you just it's that easy just never panned out in high school though not in high school but not for me anyway after you dropped out of college, it worked. Yeah, you know, you gotta <laughs> go I through some up. shit first, I, I guess. Threw, I, I showed up and you were like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no. I'm the one, damn it. <laughs> I was like, don't get too close. I've been hurt before. No, that's, you weren't like that at all. You were just like, I'm kind of all right by myself. And I was like, like I'm kind of all right by your side. <laughs> I was like, I literally just learned how to be okay with me. So but yeah, just be cool. How, how do you think I felt? I was a hopeless romantic too. I had boobs yeah. in third grade, and guess what the kids did? They made fun of me. I was like, boys should like me. I have boobs. <laughs> Look at me now. I still have boobs. It's true. Yep, they didn't go anywhere. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, this collar ain't going anywhere either. She's hanging around. Ooh. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, Here, yeah. I'll, I'll pass that back to you. Oh, thank you. So, like, the first time... I went to a dance. That is when I realized that I could dance. Oh, nice. And I think I was in grade, I think I was in grade seven. Okay. Yeah. That's when I learned I, I, I could dance. It was very exciting. <laughs> and then I just went to other places and danced. Love you guys. Love you. Love you. Thank you, Carolyn. To other places and danced. She's dancing all around. Hell yeah. What dances, man? They were always awkward, but uh you gotta you gotta do the you gotta do the old intermingling with the opposite sex thing, you know. Socialize. Socialize. Try and fail and then look get better and try and fail and get better. Yeah. And just have a good time no matter I what. Mean, and dance. There <laughs> are the certain natural Romeos out there, but uh <laughs> I never really was that. Like you. Only in my <laughs> own so. imagination, maybe. Girls just didn't give you the chance to see it before. Well, that's that's sweet of you to say. <laughs> in the school years, the the awkward uh, transitioning to adulthood years, you know? Yeah. It's just awkward. Well, I was socially fucking just radioactive when I was homeschooled anyway, so. <laughs> like, you, it just wasn't good for your fucking health to come near me, bro. <laughs> Yeah. It's a bit of a loser, but you know, this happens. Oh, fuck it, dude. Wanna go bowling? Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Let's go bowling. I'll get it sometime. So, more than 5,000 people attended an illegal party at the Tonto National Forest in Arizona. No shit. Yeah. Right. It was like a legal party, probably best party. No shit, man. <laughs> the partiers taped off sections of the main road to designate areas for camping. Uh, I guess there was an accident between two quads and one person had to get medvaced out by helicopter. Because the... Oh, Jesus. Yeah, ambulances couldn't get past the tape and sectioned off areas. <laughs> Whoops. Then there were seven vehicle accident, accidents and uh, reports of stolen off-highway vehicles. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. They just, you know, they're mad about it and they're like, if you see this happening in your state forest, you need to report it, yada, yada. Uh, but you can have a party up to 75 people. 
in the Tonto National Forest without a permit. Oh. I thought that was worth noting. Wicked. Yeah. For forest your next, parties. For your next birthday or bar mitzvah. mitzvah. <laughs> keep <laughs> it whatever. under 75, keep everyone alive, and go to Tonto National Forest <laughs> in Arizona. <laughs> for no agenda meetup. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Uh, a giant lizard uh, went on a supermarket sweep. Oh. Yeah, it was an eight-foot Asian water monitor in Bangkok. You just one big lizard, there's baby. A, <laughs> there's a video of it just climbing up the shelves and knocking all the crap down, and then he just settles on top and starts watching everyone. <laughs> He's just uh, like, this is mine now. I'm sitting on it. They, they, they uh, attack small mammals. So children are pretty at risk for these guys. <laughs> oh, no. Um, but adults don't really have much to worry about. They well, I probably do. I'm a child-sized adult. <laughs> uh, but they mostly eat eggs of other animals and small mammals. Yeah, Can't you so. just kick them in the head? It's a lizard. I don't know. I just wouldn't go near it. Yeah. It's eight feet long, dude. It's like if a crocodile was nimble, like crawling up the walls and mm. shit. <laughs> like It's a big old lizard. <laughs> Uh, speaking of uh, reptiles and such, in Wichita, Kansas, a family is desperately searching to locate their escaped pet tortoise. It lived in their backyard. It escaped through a gap in the gate last Monday, they think. Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, he's 10 years old. He's like, they guesstimate between 60 and 70 pounds. 18 inches long, 14 inches wide, pretty tall. That's what the description <laughs> says. And, uh, you know, if you see him, I bet you know, you'll know it. <laughs> they know exactly how long and how wide he is, but then, like, how tall? <laughs> well, he's he pretty tall. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. He's, he's. I guess they moved here. Or they moved here. Well, they moved to Wichita from Arizona. So, you know, he's a tortoise. Yeah. Which it would make sense to have him more in a desert environment. Sure. So they just were trying to raise, like, <laughs> public awareness if they do encounter it like not to put it in a pool or something oh, you know right, they're yeah. like he's not a turtle it's a tortoise you just put him in your backyard till you get there and like he's he shouldn't bite you don't put your hand in his mouth though like he, <laughs> you know you gotta lay that out for people <laughs> uh, and you know just to kind of pick him up from his sides yeah and so. just heft that 60 to 70 pound tortoise back into your fence for us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And just, let it, just call us when you find them. <laughs> I know, but I was like, man, they must have all been at work and school or something, the whole family, because I just don't feel like they get places that fast. Did you mention his name? No. Mad Mardigan? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? It's from Willow. Okay. It's a little character from Willow. I haven't seen Willow in so long. But... Oh, you showed me Willow one time, but I don't remember. <laughs> I just remember like, Willow, or whatever the creepiest. That's it. That's, that's more than. That's more than I remember. <laughs> that's it. Well, though, I saw Willow when I was really young, and I know I showed it to you, but I probably fell asleep because when I first met you, I was in the bad habit of falling asleep whenever the TV went on. You were like a legitimate old person. <laughs> I mean, you kind of still are in a lot of ways, but like when were you? When I first met you, it was like it was really bad. Pronounced. 
Ooh, Snorlax. I prefer to just say <laughs> I was a bit of a Snorlax. Yeah. Okay, that's, we'll go with the Snorlax. Um, yeah. A 33-year-old Louisiana woman got arrested after refusing to return $1.2 million that was accidentally put into her account. Oh, well, fuck. I mean... It's a tough situation. That's a tough situation. No shit, bud. But uh, it She should have was... got the fuck out of Dodge, though. Well, hear her out, okay? All right, all right. She was a sheriff's dispatcher for four and a half years, and after the arrest, they fired her, um, which I was like, that's too bad. Yeah, that... Four and a half years, that's a you know dedicated employee and a sheriff's dispatcher. That's interesting. Uh, well, the money was deposited into her account, her brokerage account, by Charles Schwab. Okay. She immediately moved the funds to another account, and then she bought a new car and a house, a new house. Um, apparently (laughs) there was a clerical error, apparently, apparently she was supposed to get $82 put into her account and they put 1.2 million instead. (laughs) Woo! Now, 75% of the funds have been recovered and, uh, getting close, huh? She's being sued in federal court by Schwab because it, of course, in the contract, with them it includes yeah. an agreement that if a client receives an overpayment of funds right. they'll return it in full yeah that's the price of using services is that you're bound by an agreement you know yeah. so um in that sense yeah and it's kind of obvious too you know if somebody accidentally gives you a million two then uh, <laughs> i don't care if someone accidentally gives me 50 i just let it sit in the account and figure they're gonna come looking for it you yeah, know it's absolutely like... <laughs> yeah i wouldn't be rushing off to like spend it like oh if i spend it that can't get it back yeah like well no if if you spend it, it's just gonna hurt more for them to get it back exactly but yeah. if it's 1.2 they're gonna come for that they're gonna come for seven figures man you don't just you don't just accidentally put seven figures somewhere and then expect no one's gonna show up to collect. Come on, thirty three. Weird shit happens when you're thirty three. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. I wonder if it's right now in Houston. Uh, Domino's pizza orders can choose to have their food delivered to them by a robot pizza car. Oh. I'm confused at what to even roll on that one. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. It's like, that's kind of cool to have a robot give you pizza. I'm not going to pretend like that's not a cool thing. But it's also kind of fucking terrifying, isn't it? Yeah. No humans running anything. Just robot armies. But if you don't have the knowledge base to run a robot army, like, what are you going to do? Because the robots are taking all your jobs. (laughs) Hmm. All your jobs. All mind. your jobs are belong to robots. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so, yeah, Domino's teamed up with this group to develop the R2 robot by Nero. N-U-R-O. I know I said it like it's N-E-U-R-O, but it's N-U-R-O. Okay. Nero. And um, customers opt in to this pilot program. You can still have a delivery guy bringing pizza oh, if you God. prefer. Um, I do. I do. I do. Yeah, it's a pizza guy. Yeah, like, you can tip him in a joint usually. They like that. Right. You know? Most and, of them, like four out of five delivery guys would get high. And uh, yeah, so this robot car, of course, is an autonomous vehicle. Uh, it got regulatory approval from the Department of Transportation last year. 
And what happens is you order your pizza, you get a text message with the status of delivery, and then it'll send you a text when the robot shows up with a PIN number. So you go up to the robot, put your PIN into a little touch screen, and then like a door, depending on your order, opens so that you can pull your food out. Nice. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I guess Domino's has previously had a self-driving Ford Fusion in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and they also delivered pizza via a drone in New Zealand back in 2016. Hmm. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know if it was a one-time thing or like an actual yeah. service, like but I think it was probably stunt? a publicity stunt. Yeah. yeah. Sounds right. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. And then how do you tip a robot? Like, do you? You don't. You don't that have part's to, right? fine. I'm fine with that no part, I guess. No tip expense, I guess. But there's probably a fee tacked on to the order. Yeah, I'm they pre-tip your shit. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They automatically pre-upgrade your experience via your credit card. <laughs> I'm excited to bring this story to the bowl tonight. Oh, okay. The ginger assassin, 18-year-old Anthony Newer became the first competitor to clear a 7-10 split on TV since 1991. Fuck yeah. Yeah, this was at the, uh, it was his seventh frame of the U.S. Open semifinal match on Sunday at the National Bowling Stadium in Reno, Nevada. Absolutely rowdy. Oh, that 7-10 split. You see pick that, up a 7-10 like, in Reno, <laughs> man. You would, that, fuck a coof shot. That's what makes you feel invincible, Hell bro. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and first participant to be able to do that in 30 years on TV. It's fantastic. Yeah. I remember picking up a 7-10 once at the AMF, but it's the fucking AMF, so it's not like, it's, you know, it was still pretty epic, though. Do you remember that? I do. I still don't understand how it worked. Hit that pin right on the edge of the side in the gutter, and it slides across and hits the other one. Yeah, you basically had almost a gutter ball. Mm -hmm. Just enough to not be a gutter ball to make the pin, like, scoot directly at the other one. Oh, yeah, mine was crazy like that. That was a real weird one. But his was nice and clean, you know, pin fell, spun around, slid across the lane, and knocked the other pin down. Beautiful. You'll love to see it. You'll love to see it. You love it. You You want want it it for for Christmas. Christmas, For sure. (laughs) (laughs) In Tampa, someone found a 10 foot, 2 inch alligator sleeping under their car. Oh. Their parked car. And, uh, yeah. Gonna have to move along, Gator. They called the authorities. And then the authorities called the Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, uh, and they worked to move him to an alligator farm. Well, that's good. And uh, no one was injured, and the gator wasn't injured either. I like the frames with happy ending. We'll call yes, that a yes. spare. Whew. And my last lane, I'm here, my last roll. Your frame? My, last frame? My final frame. The tenth. Are we in the 10th? <laughs> yeah, this is the 10th. Well, an Illinois couple discovered... A 19th century tunnel under their house. Ooh. I finished this one strong. Yeah, they removed a stone wall to make repairs to their sidewalk, which was apparently sloping. Uh-huh. And uh, there they saw the entryway to a tunnel. Oh, my God. I've always wanted to have that happen to me. <laughs> right? <laughs> like finding some kind of treasure or catacomb or like, it's a door. Where does it lead? Oh, my. <laughs> 
Yeah, a treasure chest that's not your septic system like yeah, last week's exactly. story. <laughs> I mean, uh, you've got to know your limits. but <laughs> So the tunnel is nine feet high and goes at least 60 feet deep. Holy shit. They've dated it based on the bricks used, I think, to 1840, which was 50 years before their house was built. Ooh, that's a bit creepy. And uh, they haven't figured out the purpose yet. Wow. So Love a good mystery. Yeah. I Fantastic. Will, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, that's the dream. Is discover a hidden door or something oh, in the place you just moved to. I remember <laughs> when we lived in the J slums, and when we first moved into that shitty apartment, the the kitchen was just in like a narrow hallway, right? It was just like you walk through this hallway, and while you're walking through it, there's the kitchen, there's the fridge and the oven and sink. And um, on the right-hand side of that hallway, the kitchen's on the left, and on the right hand... Right as you entered that kitchen area, there was this just crappy wall that had a crack in it, and it was like, uh, it was wobbly. Like if you put your hand on it or if you leaned on it, it would just be like, wobble, 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 wobble. and it was like pretty obvious right when we moved in, like that wall wasn't going to last very much <laughs> <Yeah>. longer. <laughs> so, you know, we all like had accidentally drunkenly leaned on it a number of times, but there was this one night where somebody did it and it kind of cracked and we were like fuck it it's the night we all punched and kicked and put our heads through it knocked our way into that wall and it ended up just being like a the size of a decent closet uh of just an empty space like an empty hole wasted space in the wall um we were like there's probably money back there there's probably treasure there's probably you know Oh, what if there's a skeleton? We had all these like, <laughs> fucking wild ideas of what was behind the wall until the day it came down. And there was just just nothing but a lot of space. It was like a lot of space. So we ended up uh, getting some plywood and we cut out that exact part. And there was some trim too. So we had to cut the part out so it would fit in the trim. And we put it on a fucking hidden hinge so that that whole wall would swing out and it was just a like a big hidden compartment. So we just put all of our nefarious bullshit back behind this wall. We had a false wall in our apartment. It was very cool. That just reminds me of that hidden treasure, though, because that's what we were expecting to find, like idiots. Hell yeah. It's like any time you take a metal detector out. Again, you know, hopeless romantic. You just uh, you think it's going to be kind of cool and kind of wild. Hell yeah. Well, next week's uh, first time I ever is going to be a really obvious one. We want to hear about the first time you ever got high. Uh, first time you ever smoked some weed. First time you ever got stoned on a hog leg, <laughs> or whatever yeah. you might call it, on the on the cheech. Uh, so leave us your voicemails. Uh, Look in Sphinx Tribe uh, to get more info on our contest that we'll be running for 420. You could win 42,000 sets. Be a good thing to win if you're into winning things. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for hanging out. We went uh, kind of long on this one, but... We had a lot to talk about. We had a lot of fun. I've been Sir Spencer, Wolf of Kansas City. I am Dame DeLorean. And until next time, on 420, may your bowls burn ever brighter. Bowlafterbowl.com Bowl, 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 bowl after bowl. You are listening to Bowl After Bowl. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs>